Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. With Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us for another week of the opening drive. And Brooke, congratulations. Apparently you're official. Yes. Got your I, name. I yeah. was I was not expecting that. And all of a sudden I heard Brooke Grimsley. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you are here. Hope you all had a good weekend. CD, how was your weekend? It was awesome. I had a spectacular weekend. Had a good time. Good down in Memphis. Got to see your Warriors play? Yeah, they didn't play. They, I mean, they were They're there. On the road. <laughs> they were there. <laughs> but, you know, they, they didn't play particularly well. They better have home court advantage. That's all I got to say. Yeah, they got to win a few more games um, to get to that fourth seed if they can. I mean, it's so cluttered in the West. They potentially could still get there, but... It's tough on the road, fam. And glad you got a chance to take your son down there. Those are unforgettable yes. experiences. Yes, he got to meet Zach Randolph, Zebo, <laughs> Memphis Grizzly history uh, legend. And so, uh, you know, got an opportunity to do some pretty cool things. It was fun for him. And I know, Brooke, you had a busy weekend. You were down over at SC on Saturday night. I was. It was below 30 degrees, mm-hmm. even a little bit of slight flurries. But, I mean, it was so much fun inside of City Park Stadium. And you had a historic win for them, too. First expansion team in MLS history to ever start 4-0. Pretty amazing, yeah. So, uh, are are, are they the dogs? Have we officially decided that that the dogs? Matthew? No. Are we Matthew? I'll let you wait in front of me as a lead blocker Uh, carrier. I'm all for it. Let's go dogs. I I like it. Good. All right. All right. Uh, A busy weekend. We'll get you caught up to date on all of that. Let's start with last night's Blues game. A 3-0 clean sheet for Joel Hofer and Thomas Grice as they whitewash the uh, Winnipeg. You like that? Whitewash the Winnipeg Jets by a score of of 3-0 on the slab. Uh, 4-0-4 into the game. The Blues waiver pickup. Did it again. Torupchenko stalling. Waiting for the line change to complete. Hellebuck down. Kicks it out. Rebound, Letty, backdoor, they score! Kasperi, Kapanen, St. Louis grabs the first one. So Chris Kerber was doing TV because John Kelly was sick. That was Patrick Kelly, John Kelly's son, on the play-by-play last night here on 101 ESPN. Wasn't it? Was it? I thought it was. Was it not? what I was told. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's what I heard. Uh, Nadub scores for the Blues in the second period midway through, and then in the third, another deadline pickup by Doug Armstrong comes through. Rana in, shoot, scores! Jacob Rana, and it's 3-0 St. Louis. And the Blues wound up winning by a score of 3-0. Now, Joel Hofer had to leave the game because of an equipment issue. At one point, so Thomas Grice came in and made one save. Otherwise, it was Joel Hofer's night. Now it's Dubois across the line. Quick shot. Joel Hofer 
The save there on Nino Niederreiter. The wrist shot, Hofer down to make the save as DeMello let it fly from the right point. Stenland works it around. Joel Hofer down to make the save there on Adam Lowry. Winnipeg down by three. Here's Morrissey. Pad stopped by Hofer. Domestikoff the other way. Wrist shot. That was labeled for the low post. It appeared to graze Joel Hofer. And Joel Hofer was terrific in picking up the shutout. And, guys, he looks terrific, doesn't he? He looks really calm. He doesn't look like he's rattled at all. He looks really good, really quick, really, really. Um, just watching him warm up pregame was interesting to me. He just has a has something about him that that looks different. And so I, I can see why he's they're, they're so high on him and, and why the expectations are so high. Uh, you know, if you're Jordan Bennington, maybe not get in, get in any more fights or any scuffles because there's a yep. young man, you know, knocking on the door, waiting to, waiting for his opportunity. Is this about to turn into a Villy Huso situation all over again? Because I'm, okay, I get that it's just two games, but still, he had 32 saves in that win against the Capitals on Friday, and then he follows it up with that performance on Sunday with 33 saves. He's looking pretty damn good. Yeah, he does. So, he He's going to be the backup next year. He's going to be here. And by the way, the Blues did announce after the game that he's not going to be here on emergency conditions anymore. He's here. And Mm -hmm. so he's going to play a lot. Saturday night over at City Park, another clean sheet. City over San Jose, 3-0. Roman Berkey with the clean sheet. He wanted to get that. He told you guys last Monday that was uh, one of the things he wanted to get. And uh, City becomes the first MLS expansion team, as we mentioned, ever to start 4-0. Goals from... Okay, help me with the Italian pronunciation, Mr. Rocchio. Joachini. Joachini, good, I like it. Yes. Uh, Santa Claus and Tomas Ostrak also uh, tallied on the pitch in their kits for City. <laughs> Santa Claus. Tallied on the also pitch with in another the one. And they were singing? They were singing, um, oh God, they were, it was... Santa Claus yeah, is coming Santa, to yeah, town. Santa Claus is coming to town. I And then he had, the goal he had where he just like barraged through the... Defense of San Jose. I don't know if anyone here is a fan of Futurama. Brooke, uh, I don't know. If I, I mentioned this to her, but he, yes, he's, I heard this joke. He, he's the he's the robot Santa Claus from Futurama that just comes to destroy things. That's what that, that's what that's yeah. the Santa Claus that, that he is. Because man, he was rampaging through San Jose. So he's the Mike Allstott of MLS. Yes, I think that's a that's a good one. Not like a fullback, just a really big running back. Okay, like good. that. And that. Well, Mike Allstott was a running back. Don't. Yeah, but that. he but oh, he okay. he gave Chris Berman so much material. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, that's that's exactly what I, I wanted yeah. to post a Chris Berman meme when he went yeah. that goal because yeah. I was like rumbling, stumbling, bumbling. That's exactly <laughs> it. City SC's uh, right back Jake Nerwinski will join us, by the way, coming up at 9.15. Other news from the weekend. On Saturday, Matthew Libertor was great for the Cardinals. Five innings, he allowed one run, three hits, six strikeouts. Uh, he walked one and allowed that run on a homer. The Cardinals beat the Tigers by a score of 8-4. to four. And Libertor and then yesterday, Dakota Hudson, have given the Cardinals some pause in regards to who their sixth starter is going to be. Yesterday, as the Cardinals won 8-7, to seven, Dakota Hudson was rocked. Yeah, I, I think you're getting to the point where you're starting to see who's going to be here um, and who's not. D- Dakota didn't, he, he hasn't done enough to make you really, those eye-popping moments where you're like, oh, that's why we want him here. And and, and there are a few other people that I think pretty soon they'll, they'll know their fate because it's just not enough production and having multiple opportunities. And this is what this game is. You get your opportunity. You got guys that aren't here because they're in the World Baseball Classic. You're getting plenty of opportunities, so... so 
if you're not making the the plays or or making the things happen, you are probably looking probably looking at yourself being sent down sooner rather than later. Kerry, today is March 20th. The opener's on March 30th. There you go. Ten days. We got ten days yeah. to figure it out. World Baseball Classic last night was unbelievable. It was kind of a a cardinal night. Adam Wainwright. Gets out of a bases-loaded jam in the first inning. He allows only one run and pitched through it brilliantly. And so Cuba only leads the U.S. one nothing heading into the bottom of the second. And everybody, or bottom of the first, everybody on Team USA said, we weren't panicking, we weren't panicking, we weren't panicking. And that's because you have the MVP on your side. That's the tying run at second, one out. And Goldschmidt blasts one down the left field line. Toward the corner, it is gone! USA! Shot that was. He was absolutely ready for that fastball inside. Not a bad pitch by Elias, but oh my goodness. When you're throwing those pitches to the National League MVP, even good pitches get demolished. Goldie and Arnato combined to drive in five of the USA's runs. Adam Wainwright went the first four. Miles Michaelis went the next four, and 14-2 was the final. After the game, Adam Wainwright spoke to Greg Amzinger of MLB Network. As we're looking at Paul Goldschmidt, how big was this swing to pick you and your team up? Let me tell you what he said when he came in. So we got out of that big jam in the first inning. He came in, he hit that ball out, and he came in and he said, we got you. That's a great feeling as a pitcher, you know. that's a The whole team rallied behind me today, and, and uh, you saw what happened. I mean, we played a very good Cuba team, and and uh, and our, our sticks came to play today. I mean, our guy, these hitters, I mean, this lineup, it's, it's it is one of the best you've ever seen. Watching them work every day is just so, it's so deep. It makes the pitchers just work so hard. It's fun to play be in front of and front of fun to pitch in front of. I mean these guys they're special guys too. You know we're having a blast in the clubhouse together too. These these guys are special players, but they're special individuals and teammates too. It is so cool to see a the best American guys and. The, the best American pitchers are not there. There's no Scherzer. There's no Verlander. There's no Clayton Kershaw. So the, the best guys aren't there for the USA in terms of starting pitching. But all the best position players are there, and they're loving it, and they're playing great, and they'll play against the winner of tonight's Mexico-Japan game for the championship. So you could have Team Cardinal against Lars Nootbaar tomorrow mm-hmm. night. That would be really interesting to see. And I know that there was also some concern with Nolan Arenado this weekend, too. Ken mm-hmm. Rosenthal saying that his x-rays came back negative. So that's a positive for all the Cardinals fans that were worried. I saw all those tweets coming in. Just a flurry of people concerned that this might be something serious. But it seems like it was more precautionary for him, too. Yeah, and the game was out of hand by that point. But especially after what happened to Altuve the night before, if you are a Cardinal fan or if you're Mark DeRosa, uh, you want to make sure that Arenado's good to go. And he will be good to go for tomorrow. So the U.S. USA will play for the championship. Pretty cool that uh, this. I, I know that overall viewership isn't huge, but for baseball fans, I love the World Baseball Classic. I think it's really cool. By the way, Goldie two for five with four runs batted in. Arenado two for three with an RBI uh, after getting hit on the hand. Of course, he left the game, and the USA also beat Venezuela on Saturday night, nine to seven. Big grand slam home run from Trey Turner. NCAA tournament action. Carry Princeton over Mizzou, 78-63. Oh, man. Darn it. Shoot. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> Randy Misery <laughs> loves company, Don't baby. Don't believe this to be honest, I, 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 I do not. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I thought we were going to have a few uh, uh, days ahead of Mizzou in terms of practicing for the battle for the bragging rights game. Clearly, Mizzou was was listening to us and said, no way. We're going to get in on that practice, too. We're going to start our season off, our preseason off early as well. The 15-point advantage for Princeton, the largest gap between a 15 seed and any Ooh. other team that has lost to a 15 seed in the history of the NCAA tournament. Largest margin of victory ever for a 15 seed. In all honesty, Randy, I, I really thought that Mizzou had an opportunity to win this game. They should have. They were. They, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of guys. You know, I talked about it last last few weeks just the style of play that they have is shocking to the system but if you're not going to hit shots and if you're not going to do all of the things that are required to win a game then you probably aren't going to win you you allowed 78 points which is too many points that that mizzou team was known to give up a lot of points and princeton took advantage of it but it appeared to me that their defensive game plan was to hope that princeton missed shots (laughs) yeah that's what it looked there was there was one time i looked at the tv where they got a couple of rebounds mizzou did and they missed like three shots in a row Mm -hmm. did you see that yeah and you're like what is happening but it seems like that's just kind of the tale of mizzou this season right they had these games where they look like one of the best teams possibly one of the best teams in the country and then they follow it up with nothing you know I mean they look completely off they look like they haven't played together or something like that but it was just really really hard to see because I had them I had them going further than this I, too. I yeah. had them going further than this but Princeton they're, they're pretty they serious play, they, they're the they, real deal they take you out of your game yeah. If you're a running team, yeah. <laughs> you can, it, it's hard to play with them because you have to pl- be patient and you have to play good fundamental basketball because that's what they're playing against you. They are. They have always been sound. They have always been a very good team. They beat the number two team in the in the tournament. I mean, in their uh, bracket mm-hmm. in in Arizona. And so you figure maybe Mizzou had an opportunity, but it, it just didn't happen. Didn't pan out the way that most Missouri Tiger fans expected it to. And last night, Indiana was eliminated by Miami, 85-69. And uh, last night, Florida Atlantic ended the dream for Fairleigh Dickinson, 78-70. to Women's NCAA tournament on Saturday. Congratulations to St. Louis University's women's team on a great season. But they were trounced by a, a superb Tennessee team down in Tennessee, 95-50. It got away in a hurry, a 21 to nothing run to end the first half for Tennessee. You know, I, I, like, I do like the fact that the in, that the women's tournament played their first round uh, in the actual places where they, where those teams are from. If the men's tournament, looking at some of those crowds, might want to look at that going forward. But, you know, unfortunately for SLU, having to go to Tennessee is a tough task at any time. And, um, you know, your first time around, it'll be better. They got a lot of talent and a good coaching staff. They'll be back. And last but not least, the Battle Hawks. Good call. <laughs> Lost to Good DC call. twenty-eight to twenty. Uh, DC Defenders team is really might be real deal. <laughs> and the Battle Hawks allowed two hundred and forty-eight yards on the ground, seventy-yard and sixty-two-yard touchdown runs. I guess they missed their uh, their gap fits, Kerry. Yeah, when you uh, there's a thing I told you last week about running the football against a team, an opponent. You can you can literally see the point where the team is breaking, like it's over, they're done. And if you run to the tune of two hundred plus yards, two hundred seventy plus yards, um, I'm sure the Battle Hawks had a moment in that game where they were enough was enough. Yeah, it, it just it, it takes away your will when you can move the ball in that manner. Well, you know who the quarterback is for the DC Defenders, right? Former Battle Hawk Jordan Tayamu. Yep. Who, by the way, he may have had a little. Well, a little, little, little readiness for yeah. this game, right? Yeah. yeah. If you gave me a choice as an NFL team between Jordan Tiamu and Taylor Heineke, I'd take Tiamu. Yeah. 
I thought he was much better, yeah. especially first time around. Yeah, so it's, it's un- unbelievable to me that he doesn't get a better shot in the NFL. So that's what we have going. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we loved from the weekend. Brooke, Kerry, Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, time for what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Number three. Brooke. I'm going to start with that it was just a really fun weekend in St. Louis. I was over at the City SC game, but even when I got into downtown, the amount of people going into downtown St. Louis this past weekend was incredible. I mean, you had, what was it, over 30,000 fans for the Battlehawks game, and then you had over 20,000 for City SC. Even though it was really freaking cold, it was a fun weekend. CD? My number number three was, uh, I talked about it earlier, FDU over one Purdue. <laughs> the 16th seed, just the second time that this has happened in NCAA tournament history. I don't know if you all saw the uh, the whiteboard in the Purdue locker room had a had a oh, large yeah. hole I in it. it. I, I appreciate the, the blackout rage after losing to a number 16 seed by Purdue. Purdue Big Ten champions, Big Ten tournament champions, and fall in the first round. As I said earlier, misery does indeed love company. ILO. I-N-I. Guys, I had kind of given up on Matthew Libertor, and I got new renewed hope for Matthew Libertor on Saturday. Five innings against the Tigers. He allows one run on three hits, strikes out six of one one does allow a home run, but his earned run average for the spring is now 1.80. I don't know if this will translate to the regular season, mm-hmm. but it sure is good to see Matthew Libertor throwing well because all of us want to see the Cardinals get something out of Randy Rosarena. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're right. Who, who, by the way, could face the USA in the World Baseball Classic Championship game. Uh, he's playing for Mexico. He's uh, he's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty good. All right. Uh, yeah, and no. Matthew Libertor is not pitching for the USA. Oh, no. Number two. So my number two, just specifically on City SC making MLS history. It's all kind of going into place, right? You had all these people saying beforehand, like, oh, this will just be like a normal kind of expansion team. Expectations were low. And now City SC has continued to exceed those expectations. I mean, that win was just fantastic. It was really cold, as I mentioned, but just to be able to witness history, the first expansion team in league history to start out 4-0, and really, I'm looking at their schedule right now, they might go even further than that, but just to be able to witness history here at home, and that happens at City Park Stadium on Saturday night was fantastic. I got a small bone to pick with Lutz. He kind of made us believe. He he, he under-promised and is definitely over-delivering. You think we were sandbagged a little? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Lutz came on here multiple times, guys. Don't, don't expect much. Don't expect much. It's our first year. We're an expansion club, and little did we know. He knew what, what they had, you know, in, in waiting, and they have played fantastic, man. The, to, the best start for an expansion franchise is awesome, and hopefully they can keep it going. And this is the style of soccer that I've always wanted soccer teams to play, to go for it. So many t- soccer teams just kick the ball around. I've joked about play-by-play for soccer. Kick, 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 yeah. kick, kick, kick. <laughs> At least they, they play. You, you know that they're playing and they're going for it. And as Craig Bruby would call it, they play a north-south game, eh? And uh, I, think, I think it's fantastic. Uh, guys, my number two is... 
I think Doug Armstrong might have stolen a couple more here. He, he He's did done it, it before. He, he did. <laughs> but when you see Kapanen and when you see Vrana, what can Jakob Vrana not do? They are I, – I said this last week, and I, I'm just – this team has changed drastically from, from what they were at the beginning of the season to what they are now. They got guys that can score goals. If they are willing to commit to the defensive end, if they are willing to commit in the defensive zone, they can be a really good team going forward. You got three number one picks. You can do a lot of things this offseason with that. If you want to go out and get a number one defender, if you don't feel like you have a number one defenseman, there's a lot of – talent here and a lot of opportunity and a lot of options that they have going forward. I think this turnaround will happen much faster than most Blues fans thought. Can I give you guys a quick 2B, by the way? Uh, this is my 2B. Tory Krug cares. <laughs> he cares! <laughs> Damn it! I love it! You got a guy run they dub into the wall, almost break his ankle, and you lose it, and then you go... Ape, you know what against the glass. Love it, Tori. Me and you can go out and have a have a coffee. We can have chat, sit down, and 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 just indulge in some some anger issues that we may need to get out every now and then. My number two. Oh, I'm it, sorry. It's okay. My number two. I think you all will <laughs> like this. Everyone in here, for the most part, is a Mizzou, and everyone listening. One of my D linemen committed to the University of Missouri this weekend. Who we got? Tian Gray, a four-star defensive lineman from Hazelwood Central, is uh, committed to the University of Missouri. Great offensive lineman, great defensive lineman, great kid, guy that you're going to enjoy watching play. He got one more year with us. Hopefully we can uh, take care of some business next year. But outstanding football player, but a better young man and is going to be a star in the in the future for in that black and gold at Mizzou. Congratulations to Teon. You envision him as a defensive lineman? I think he can play either one. Really? Teon is a kid that that can excel on either side of the ball. Um he's a super he's an athlete. You talk about guys that are 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 athletic, you normally think of skill receivers and, mm-hmm. and skill guys, receivers, uh running backs, you know, things of that nature. This kid is an athlete on the offensive line and on the defensive line. And uh, you know, Mizzou fans should be excited about him. Looking forward to it. Number one. My number one is that I've been on a very strict diet, and I'm doing this for 30 days. Carrie's also on a diet. It's going to get ugly in here in about two weeks. (laughs) Yes. The the (laughs) difference between mine is I can't have any fats or oils. It's an anti-inflammatory diet, and there's very specific meats, vegetables, fruits that I can have. On my list, though, I discovered I can have crabs. So I treated myself to some crab legs yesterday. Mm, No butter, though, which is sometimes the best part, but it was still delicious. It felt like a nice reward that I made it through a whole week through this diet. There you go. That is is a a great feeling. It is... It's hard. It is hard to have the the, the ability to stick to it and not indulge in something. (laughs) I've been tested. You see a cookie laying around. Whose cookie is that? Who starts to die when they're starting a new job? Because I'm trying to test myself. But also, City SC, they they have um, like an ice cream machine. It wasn't working, so I was like, great, fantastic, no temptation. But then they brought out Ted Drews. (laughs) Just terrible. And I just kept staring at it like... Like, uh. <laughs> My number one was, we talked about it earlier, going to the Memphis uh, Grizzlies game to watch them play against the Warriors. My son is like one of the coolest kids that I know. He just falls into luck at sporting events. And maybe it's just something about him. Uh, we were walking to our seats and this guy says, hey, how old are you? How's your, how old is your son? 
My son's like, I'm 10. He's like, you guys want to be on the court for uh, pregame during the national anthem? I'm like, what? We are literally <laughs> just minding our business, walking to our seats, and this random guy, you know, with the with the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies credentials comes up, asks him, does he want to go on the court? So he gets to go down to the court, stand in front of Tyus Jones as they're doing the national anthem. While we're waiting before we go down there, he gets to take a picture with Zach Randolph because Zach Randolph is standing right there. You know, this kid is a, just has an awesome time at sports. Events. I've been going to baseball games my entire life. He got a baseball in his first game from Brandon Crawford from the San Francisco Giants. I've never gotten a baseball. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are you doing? How is this even possible? Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's fun to, to share these moments with him. That, for me, was one of the best things, to watch him on the court. I got pictures with him right next to Steph Curry uh, as he was war- warming up pregame. So, pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Congratulations. My number one is to witness the joy that the USA players are getting in playing in the uh, World Baseball Classic. And as Adam Wainwright mentioned a couple times, hey, nobody's getting paid for this. We're playing for a country. And to see these stars like Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and uh, Jeff McNeil and Tim, Tim Anderson, and obviously Goldschmidt, Arenado, Michaelis Wainwright, all these guys are playing for love of country. It's very Olympian, and it's really cool to see because they're, they've got the attitude of little kids in the yeah. dugout. It, it, it's fun when you get to play with other superstars that you normally wouldn't have that amount of time with. You think about it, during an all-star break, you get two, three days around those guys where you're just hanging out. This has been weeks. Mm-hmm. They have been able to hang around one another and share stories and maybe learn some things about how they go about their day and become some of the best baseball players in the world. And they're doing it, as you said, Randy, for their country. They're having a great time winning baseball games and while all while representing their country. Uh, it looks fun, man. It looks like they're having a, 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 a great time there. And yeah. Shohei Otani wants to come out of the bull, bullpen tomorrow. We could have <laughs> Shohei Otani <laughs> pitching to Mike Trout. That, <laughs> Hopefully Lars is doing his bid over there and working really hard. I think he's, I think see if it's, yeah. it's working. See if we can get him in some Cardinal uh, Red here. You think, uh, you, you think there was little going on last night after Wayno came out yeah. with Miles My, pitching and Arenado and, and Goldie lighting it up? You think uh, Adam saying, hey, that's what it's like in St. Louis every day. Every day. This is what it looks <laughs> yeah. like. Come on, Come, come, come on. over. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the all-time great stories was when uh, Albert came back in 2018. And they had these massive crowds, and Trout sit next to Albert in the dugout, and Trout says, is it like this all the time? And Albert says, every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's cool. called baseball heaven. Yep. Those are three things we love about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up on the opening drive, we're 10 days away from the Cardinals opening the season. What do we believe to be absolutely true about the 2023 Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed 
guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Opening day for the Cardinals is 10 days from today on the 30th here at the ballpark. And uh, we've gone through spring training. Of course, some of the players have been missing for the last week and a half with the start of the World Baseball Classic. Many of the players have been missing, as a matter of fact. But as you look at what the Cardinals have done this spring, Brooke and Carey, what do you feel like you know about the 2023 Cardinals? They're going to score a lot of runs. I think I know that they are going to be elite offensively. They're going to have a lineup that is hard to get out, you know, uh, day in and day out and it's not just you know the meat of the order I think when you look at after you get out after you get past the four or five hole you're, you're still going to have some guys in six seven and maybe even eight that can can <laughs> make some plays and get some hits hits and get on base so I think this team is going to be able to score a lot of runs um, which obviously helps the pitching staff because they don't have to be as perfect every single day so I, I, I'm looking for this team to to be powerful you know and impactful on the offensive side. For me, it's that you're going to definitely see the two young stars this season for the Cardinals. I think Jordan Walker has obviously, I was on the fence a little bit because I was just like, you know, Cardinals, they're going to start him possibly in Memphis or even AAA because he hasn't seen that yet. But now you can't ignore what he's done this spring training. I feel like he's going to make that opening day roster. He's going to be your starting left fielder. And also for Mason Wynn, who's arguably also had a really, really good spring training, but they just have so much depth right now in that position. I mean, I believe that you will see Mason Wynn at some point this season, here soon. I agree with you. And I think Edmund moves back to second, and the Cardinals just become more versatile. Guys, I'm looking at the starting pitching, and Flaherty has shown the stuff that he's shown in the past. All Jack Flaherty needs to do is be healthy. And if Jack Flaherty has been healthy at the major league level, he's been successful. And so far this spring, he has shown himself to be healthy. 11 and a third innings, he has struck out 10 in those 11 and a third. He's given up 13 hits. He doesn't give up that many hits when he goes along. But I look at the starting rotation. Steven Matz has made a couple of starts, has a 1.54 ERA. Mikeless, in addition to his really good work at the World Baseball Classic, didn't allow a run in his two starts in regular spring training. Wayno, after a slow start, picked things up, and he was terrific last night for Team USA. And Jordan Montgomery has really good stuff. Jordan Montgomery is a guy that when you're in spring training, you don't worry about his numbers. You just try to get his innings in. And he's going to have to get another start in and get more innings before the end of spring training. But I really do think that this starting pitching, 
uh, those five, Flaherty, Matz, Michaelis, Montgomery, Wayno, supplemented by Jake Woodford, who's pitched very well, Matthew Libertor, who we mentioned pitched well on Saturday, and then hopefully Dakota Hudson, who did get rocked yesterday, plus Graceffo and Michael McGreevy. I think the Cardinals have a lot of really good quality depth in the rotation. I think their starting pitching is going to be strong. I agree, and I think they that we've talked about it all spring training, just the competition that they've had, you know, and, and the opportunities. When you have Michaelis and Wainwright not there, there's more opportunities for more guys to get starts, for more guys to get innings, and to see who's able to to make this roster and who's going to help this team, you know, in the in the once the season begins, I am excited about every part of this team, and it's it's just something that you I, I don't know if there's Randy I don't know if you were as excited last year or in the last few years coming into spring training. Obviously, uh, Jordan Walker has has added some of that excitement because he's a he's a guy that when you look at you know what he brings to the table. But I don't know if I've been this excited about Cardinals baseball in. Now I'm four or five years, maybe. I, I'm not sure when the last time I was this excited, thinking that they had an opportunity to actually win a World Series, make make a big run in the playoffs. There are so many good young players on this team. We saw what Brendan Donovan could do last year. He had a 394 on base. He won a Gold Glove. Uh, we're seeing what Walker and Wynn can do. Nolan Gorman this spring is at 324. He's got a 1.014 uh, OPS. He's uh, been he, he's at three homers, driven in 11. Uh, there's just so much to look forward to with the skill sets of these young players. That's what is intriguing to me because we know what the veterans are going to bring to the table. The young position players have a chance to really change the dynamic of this team. I was looking at this right, and, and Randy, this is one thing that that <laughs> it really intrigued me. Jordan Walker has played in 15 games. He's gone hitless in four of those games, but in three of them that he was hitless in, he only had one at bat, which tells me that he's going to hit every opportunity that he gets. When you give him three, four times at at the plate, he's going to come out with a hit. And so you have to, when you're looking at this lineup, as I said earlier, it's it's going to be a problem. I don't know if it's murderer's row type of problem, but it's going to be an issue for, for opposing pitchers. No, it, it definitely is. I mean, and Jordan Walker, his size, his speed, and what he's able to do with that, and also the fact that this was not a position that he had played prior before with him being mm-hmm. in the outfield, and he's looked pretty good in left field as well, too. But going back to Mason Wynn, I mean, seeing his versatility, also Saturday was kind of like a little sneak peek into the future with him at short this past weekend, and He's just absolutely fantastic. I mean, what is he at? He's like 351 and what was it? Two home runs, nine RBIs, and eight runs scored, three stolen bases, and he has an OPB of 405, which is second on the team behind Nolan Gorman. He looks really good. But he also understands, too, that he knows how this is going to be a battle for him to be up there as well. Guys, I don't want to denigrate past Cardinal teams that have been really good and had a lot of good baseball players. Mm -hmm. But in terms of pure athleticism, I think we have to go back to the 80s. Yes. To to find a group that has the athleticism of Walker and Edmund and Wynn and uh, Nolan Arenado is is an athletic guy. Dylan Carlson is an athletic guy. Tyler, Tyler O'Neill is a really athletic yeah, guy. Is. So to to have this sort of athleticism, if that can be applied in a baseball sense, that'll make this club even better. Tommy Edmond plans to steal 70 to 80 bases this year. I hope so. I, I will be tuned in. If he's able to steal that many bags, it's going to be fun. It makes the game more fun. And it, it, it gives you opportunities, obviously, to score more runs when you're in scoring position. So 
I, I, as I said, I think that this team is is poised to have a big season. You got a lot of big bats. You got two MVP, one MVP, a, a third place MVP mm-hmm. finisher. This team is is ready, and this is one of the reasons why I have been saying for so long, do not wait to bring up Jordan Walker. Bring him here when you got these guys playing at their at their highest level, and then you add the the the, the addition of Wilson Contreras. It's going to be fun for, to watch this team this season. What well, was your prediction for the Cardinals in 2020? World Series. Yeah. Championship. Winning, winning the World All Series. The winning way. the World Series. All the way. Championship. Well, That's my prediction. Well, and also Steven Matz, too. Just talking about Stop. him. That was somebody that, at least this spring training, him and Flaherty, the only thing I was looking for was what they looked like coming back from injury and them staying healthy. But now Steven Matz, you're like... That's fantastic. I mean, he's 11 and two-thirds innings this spring, allowed just two runs on seven hits. He did kind of get hit up or beat up a little bit the other day. But, I mean, his ERA is at 1.54 and has punched out 12. Now that four-year deal is looking pretty good for Steven Matz. All he has to do is stay healthy. He's got really good stuff. I think if he just stays healthy, he'll be productive for the Cardinals. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. This is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. That's what we know about the Cardinals on March 20th, 2023. Opening day just 10 days away. Take it or leave it. Coming your way next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. If you're using the letters on your phone, that would be 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YO-HO. Okay. Uh, Here's something that is interesting. Ja Rule says of Ja Morant, Mm. Go play ball, man. The streets ain't about nothing, man. Go grind them. Keep balling. That's it, man. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Ja Rule has his uh, his thoughts about Ja Morant. Uh, he's actually blaming rap music for Ja Morant's behavior. Ja Rule? Yeah, ja, ja Rule is? is ja Rule him. is a rapper, just yes, so we yeah, are clear. Yeah, He's uh, an older rapper. Yeah. but Take it or leave it. it. Ja Rule is right. You know, I, Randy... I'm at this point in my life where when I was a kid, that, that that's what people would say. Oh, the rap music is ruining mm-hmm. these kids. It's too much. They're listening to it. And so I hated that because I don't think that rap music necessarily made me make decisions or, or made my friends make decisions. And so I don't want to be the older guy saying that the younger generation is being lost because of music. But I will say... There are aspects of the music and the attire that these uh, entertainers carry themselves with, and and, and our young men mm-hmm. tend to uh, follow suit. And I, you know, 
I, for one, am not a fan of all of it. Ja Rule said that growing up, he was influenced to smoke weed by Redmond's How to Roll a Blunt and pressured to drink booze by Snoop Dogg's Gin and Juice. And he made it clear <laughs> he thinks Morant is being similarly impacted by today's tunes. Which, if Ja Morant was going to be a rapper, would be okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be a basketball player worth 100 million, 100 millions of dollars, you might want to focus up and uh, just go hoop, bro. Just, hey, you know what? Just emulate LeBron. Emulate LeBron off the court. He's done a fantastic job. I'm just going to leave it in the way of, I don't know if rap music can be fully to blame for everything. And also, is he going to mention, is Ja Rule going to mention his part? It was that fire festival. Remember that? Did you guys see that documentary? That was a... Uh, a blank show. I don't. I don't know if you. I don't know if you can call out people when you're involved in such a big uh, scandal like that. He didn't know anything about it though, did he? It was like oh, they were using his name, or yeah. I, I didn't. I never watched it. I just heard about it. I knew it was a a mess. Can I <laughs> it was more? sure, Randy. <laughs> this is a national national sports talk show host Colin Coward. Okay, national. Oh, oh I Coward. know what you're talking about. Yeah. He, uh, here's what he said about Michael <laughs> Jeffrey Jordan. Who is, by the way, Carrie? What's the title for Michael Jeffrey Jordan in this show? Uh, the greatest of all time, forever, from seven to ten, for sure. Uh, so Colin Coward says he tried baseball, he failed. He tried ownership, he was awful. He tried the Wizards, it bombed. Everybody understand. Take out Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. This whole Michael Jordan mythology is sort of just that. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Colin Coward may be the most stupid person on earth. Yeah, I, I, remind me, Randy, I, because I forget these things. How much did he buy thrown his the uh, Hornets for? $275 million. How, 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 how much are they worth now? Oh, well over a billion. So are you losing? No. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> like, if you make... Oh, uh, if you sell, if you buy something for two hundred and seventeen million and you're selling it for a billion or more, are you losing? Because I don't think that that's a loss. I think that's... I think you actually made his point as to why he is the greatest of all time. He's actually winning. He didn't win enough games. That that that's clear. But he won. If you are if you bought something and are able to sell it for four, five, ten times what it was worth when you bought it. Colin Coward conveniently left out the shoes. He's 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 that was an that was a that was an idiot idiotic comment that he made. It would be fun. It's not not. Also, now I'm starting to look pretty good with these NBA takes. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah you, 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 you and Colin. <laughs> yep. It, it would right be fun. Ahead. Have you guys ever seen that show, Below Deck? Where you oh, yeah. Yacht? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastically trashy show. Yeah. Upkeep for Michael Jordan's yacht is $800,000 a week. That's upkeep. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure he rents it out to people. I would think Below Deck style, right? You gotta yeah. Sell that thing. Got to have sell, a few bucks, yeah. Sell that team. Randy, I talked about it last week. The, uh, the Illini took a loss in the tournament, and I said that they were preparing... They were getting ready early. That that, that loss was is it stung, but we had enough time. We were going to prepare for the bragging rights game. We were getting to it right now. Take it or leave it. Mizzou heard that and said, "No way, you're getting the lead on us. We're right behind you." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take it. I gotta take it. Oh gosh, yeah. that was such oh, a bad game. Yeah. Mizzou was saying, "No way, they're not going to prepare for the bragging rights without us." No, we're we're getting ready, baby. <laughs> That is awesome. Ah, Parents, yes. you guys have a lot more preparation to do. Oh, hey, well, it is what it is. We both have enough time to prepare. They uh, they missed some shots, the, the Tigers did, didn't they? It I, it, it's it's I, I joke, but I really thought that they were going to make it to the Sweet 16. I, Sweet 16, I thought they, they had a team that uh, 
could do some damage in the tournament. I I, I do like Dennis Gates and what he's done with this team, um, and I think they're going to be really good. The Illini are going to have a tough task on their hands going into next season yeah. uh, when they when they come here to play that game. By the way, offensive rebounds: Princeton sixteen, Mizzou eight. Can't have that happen against Princeton. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well. Okay, take it or leave it, guys. I'm going to circle back to something that I said earlier, because so far, when I do my take it or leave it's with City SC, they've panned out pretty well for City SC, so I'm just going to say that maybe it's good luck, but take it or leave it, City SC will go 5-0, and continuing their undefeated streak. They're facing real Salt Lake, which is a very weird name. I'm just going to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. This <laughs> this weekend, and real Salt Lake is struggling. They only have one win so far this season. Take it. 5 Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it or leave it. Everybody loves the World Baseball Classic unless you're a fan of the Mets or the Astros. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'll take it. You know what? What happened with Diaz is not the World Baseball Classic's fault. No. He could have been jumping. So this is one of those stories when you hear people... Oh, I was just celebrating with my kids and my my knee. I tore my knee. It, yeah, right. What were you really doing? No. Sometimes your body is like, yeah, one more movement and I'm snapping. And that's what happened to him. He was jumping up and down celebrating with his team. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but you can't blame the whole World Baseball Classic for that. Stuff happens. It does. Uh I'm trying to think. There was a Philly. It was Hunter Pence when he was with the Astros. Uh, missed a week of workouts because he accidentally walked through a sliding glass door in spring training. It, it, it happens. Yep. Danny Cox, <laughs> Cardinal pitcher. Danny's probably listening right now. Was going fishing and tripped over a seawall, messed up his ankle for a long time. I think my favorite piece uh, from this whole Edwin Diaz thing has to be the video of the Mets literally practicing their celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty training. That's amazing. Poor guy. I feel bad for them. That's so bad. But hey, it, a young pitcher could lose control and hit a, a Jose Altuve. There you go. Down in spring training too. Yeah, and, and Trey, Trey Turner's talking about how he, you know the only time he's ever heard a stadium that loud is the World Series. I mean, yeah. that that that's a good thing for baseball. I don't care what anybody says. Take it or leave it. It's okay to be a bandwagon soccer fan right now in St. Louis. Take totally it. take it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Jump on. Tailgates down. Jump on in. Yeah, let's go, everyone. Yep. Hey, it's an expansion team. That's and it's a new sport for many people, a new pro sport for a lot of people. And I think that's one of the things that the soccer fan in St. Louis needs to do is invite people under your umbrella. Mm-hmm. Unless you just want it to be a really exclusive club, try to get people to be fans and try to educate them. If you want more people to like it, if you want it to be discussed more, that's what you try to do: is try to make it a, a more uh, enjoyable experience for everybody rather than denigrating people who don't know everything that you do. Like if you walk into a grocery store and you know every single player, you can get a selfie with them. By the way, just for clarification, <laughs> thank you for those texting in. It is re, it's Real Salt Lake. Still don't like no, the name. Uh, it needs no, something. They, it, they don't deserve to be called re, re, They don't, I don't deserve like to have the correct still. pronunciation. <laughs> it's the dumbest name, not only in MLS, it is the dumbest name in North American pro sports, <laughs> oh and it's not even close. Oh, yes, it is? No, it's not. It's the dumbest there's, name. There's some bad ones. Tell me, tell me how much jazz is played in Salt Lake City. <laughs> At least, at least that's that's so tell me so how, how many people are dancing to jazz in Salt Lake City, Utah. Utah is bad. That's so it's, it's pretty close. But here's my thing: which is more likely that somebody might accidentally listen to jazz in Utah, Utah, or Utah. that a Spanish that, that, that a Spanish royal is like watching Real. Real Salt Lake Real. play soccer? CD, you lived in LA for a while. I did. How many lakes did you see? I didn't see many yeah. lakes out there. I didn't see oh. They're the Lakers. I didn't see many they lakes came from Minneapolis. They did. They Land did. of ten thousand lakes. Many lakes there. Yeah. Yeah. And they left 
powder blue jerseys behind like a bunch of fools. Those powder blue jerseys are nice. Sick, exactly. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals bullpen will be exhausted and overworked by mid-May as usual. Leave it. I'm going to leave I'm it gonna as well. I'm going to leave that one too. You're not, you, you don't have to use a lot of pitchers when you're scoring eight runs a game. That's right. <laughs> so. Go out there and get at them, big fella. And the thing is, they're going to have... They're going to have some relievers down in Memphis. So they'll be able to be able to have a little bit of a Memphis shuttle going this year. Yeah. Uh, I've got some guys that I don't think make the team that are absolutely, I think, big league relievers. Uh, in fact, Ali Marmol said over the weekend that there's eight players right now who are good enough to make the team that they're going to have to cut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you even look at like Jake Woodford, who's been probably one of the best pitchers for them, too. Yeah. I mean, you have his as an option if things don't shake out, especially with Jordan Montgomery. He's kind of been kind of iffy or even Jack Flaherty or something like that. Or you can have him in a longer leaf situation. I feel like they're going to be good. I'm with you. Uh, take more? it or leave it. Brooke hasn't bought in on Yoho yet. I get nervous because it, uh, it, it sneaks <laughs> up on me. It sneaks up on me. And then, like, you guys have already started. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I don't want to be late, and then it's even more awkward. <laughs> we, we need buy-in, Brooke. We need buy-in here. I, I'm bought in. I just get nervous. I get okay. stage fright whenever well. it comes up because it's kind of singing. I don't want to be off-tune. I mean, uh, you, you i got to practice. So, You'll be fine. Here's the thing, because buy-in is obviously a Ken Hitchcock. You covered Ken. Uh, it's a Ken Hitchcock thing, and so is you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So if you, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You just got to get comfortable saying yo ho. Yo ho. There, there we, we go. go. Yeah. 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 The <laughs> harmony we're going to have is going to be impeccable. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Matthew, and thank, thank you, you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, is City for real? Are they a championship contender? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Now Klaus wants it. That ball bypasses him and falls to Joe Kinney, who stopped it in. Nicholas Joe Kinney pounces on the loose ball, putting his body on the line not once but twice. Was the substitute Ostrak deflected? It's in the back of the net. All oh, the footballing gods are smiling at St. Louis City. Their expansion team record will not be tonight. St. Louis City SC, the very first MLS expansion team to ever start 4-0 and with the victory over San Jose on Saturday night. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and this is today's Fresh Take. Brooke and Kerry, before the season started, if you went to FanDuel Sportsbook, St. Louis City SC was plus 16,000 to win the championship. Now that they've won these four in a row to start the season, they're plus 5,000. They're even with Portland and Charlotte and Vancouver and Colorado. They've passed D.C. United and Houston in terms of the odds to win the championship. And when you start 4-0, I don't care who it's against. You are for real. You are doing things right because you're an expansion team. You weren't supposed to beat these established teams. No. I mean, and 
Here's the thing is, I know that we talked about earlier, Lutz, Fan and Steel came on here, the, uh, the City SC sporting director, and kind of downplayed things. But all the moves that they made, made made sense that they would be successful this early on, right? You got your star players in Roman Berkey coming in. I think he came in, what was it, last July mm-hmm. to get settled in. You also had uh, Zhao Klaus come in early as well, too. A.K.A. You, Santa. Yes, mm-hmm. Santa Klaus. Mm-hmm. You also had your facilities already built, ready to go. That really entices and gets your players ready to go because, you know, a lot of the other expansion teams like Nashville, for example, they had to play at Nissan Stadium where the Titans played. Mm -hmm. And so to have your own stadium right there built, you're watching it being built. I think that that helps out the players a lot. So they were able to get adjusted. And I mean, it really seems like the ownership group gave Lutz all of the time, the tools, the resources, the money that he needed to be able to build a really strong team to do what they're doing right now. So I don't think it's luck. I don't think that it's a coincidence. It it makes sense that they're doing this well early on. Yeah, I mean, you, you get all of those things and you get players coming in. It's just being comfortable and familiar with your surroundings and your area, and they've had plenty of time to do that. It's not it's not been rushed, mm-hmm. and they've had time to to learn about each other off the off the pitch, you know, and, and spend time with one another in order to to become this team that they are on the pitch. And it's it's exciting for me just to to know you know all of the work that went into it, all of the the people that we've had come in and talk about the process leading up to it, and now you're actually seeing them win games and, and win in a clip that, that has never happened before in MLS. It's, it's exciting to see them do that and um, you know hopefully they can continue to go in that direction because we, they'll have many, many more fans, more people watching each, each weekend. Head coach Bradley Cardell on getting things off and running with this 4-0 start. Just very proud of this group. The energy, the excitement, the relentlessness, the ruthlessness of what we're doing um, and, and just the moments of quality. Right. So we show uh, against the ball, we show with the ball, um, you know, executed the game plan in mind. And uh, I thought the boys had the most complete performance as of today's date. I think one of the really cool things about this, is, and we've seen the evolution in the first four games and people that watched City 2 during the course of uh, last summer, what Lutz von Steel talked about the very first day he was hired for the job, playing an aggressive style of base uh, of uh, soccer that St. Louisans would enjoy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's mentioned that from day one, and they have been able to successfully implement not only a winning team, but a style that reflects what St. Louis is. Well, and also to Roman Berkey, just the fire and tenacity that he's played with. And you also like to see, that was just not... A you know that was a historic victory, but also a shutout victory for them. For what was it? Was it three nil? It was three nil. Sorry, I was four zero the start to their season, but three nil. And then Roman Berkey finally getting that clean sheet. If you listen this past Monday, he was on with Carrie and I, and he said that that's what his goal was. That's one thing um, for me, especially if I don't concede, we will not we will not lose the game. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, we, we tried hard, um, the whole defense, but I mean, it's, it's a set piece. We know what we have to work about, uh, work at to, to defend these, these things better. And to be, we are lucky to have um, such good quality in the offense too, to score at least uh, two goals. 
And then after the game, I was able to talk to him about that. And he said, yeah, you know, I, we, I told the guys we need to have that clean sheet mentality. And even Zhao Klaus joked, he said, yes, I'm glad that we got the clean sheet. And Berkey got it because now Berkey will be happy. I mean, also, there was a moment, I, I can't get out of my head that save. I think it was the, the 61st minute for Roman Berkey where I was like, wow, that is fantastic. He was lights out. And I like that clean sheet mentality moving forward. I just like, I also like that you see kind of that fiery from Berkey in those comments. And then even that transfers over to the game, how he's able to lead the team. Most fiery and intense goalie in St. Louis. Who wins? It's 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 Bennington. I mean, it's gonna be Bennington. Is it? I mean, we uh, need again, to do a measure of the has, tape. We need, again, to, we need to get heights and weights. The first time most people heard of, uh, in St. Louis heard of Jordan Bennington, he was freaking out and going after a guy two handed with his stick That's in the true. minors. Yeah. And the most recent thing we've seen from Jake from he, he uh, went one handed this time is him going one handed <laughs> with his stick in a player. I don't think there's a better bookend to answer that question. Hey, <laughs> you know I'm all for the aggressiveness, so we. we Get the tail of the tape, yep. see what the measurements are, and see who's, uh, who's <laughs> going to win that thing. Yeah. But yeah. we're lucky because this is something special unfolding with SC. And maybe it'll wind up being as great as the 99 Rams, but we've had opportunities to see special things unfold here in St. Louis. The 85 Cardinals when Vince Coleman came up. The 99 Rams when they got off to the 6-0 start. And uh, it's fun to be there and watching on the ground floor. There's a text from the 573 that asks, with the style of play that City plays with, can they maintain that? And how will they will they become fatigued in the summer months, in Matthew. July, in August? Because I've been a lot of places in mm-hmm. the world, Randy, and St. Louis is one of the hottest yes. in August and September. Yeah. It, it's no comparison. It's a legit question. Yeah. And that's why I actually think the win on Saturday was such a big deal. Obviously, it was cold, not hot, but they won missing two of their best players and two of their most important players on, on the defensive side. They were without Tim Parker, and so they were playing with Lucas Bartlett, who just got signed on Tuesday at the other, at the other center back. And, and they were still without uh, the guy we talked about on Friday, Jabolo Blom, who's one of the, who is probably their best defensive midfielder and is so key to them so to have that game with a clean sheet the least That's um, the least attacks uh, or shots on goal against you so far this season through four games that just proving not only does the style work the depth they've built within the style is already working well and also just watching that game it was I'm going to say it again. Now, somebody said, quit saying it's cold. Guess what? It was freaking cold. And those guys were out there. I mean, I expected some of them to have more covering them up. But the way that they play is so intense, and they just pressure relentlessly. Also, that Ostrak, is that how you pronounce his name correctly? I want to make sure I get that correctly. Um, His goal was directly because of Lewin and some of the other guys creating a turnover. So they are just all over teams, and you see that in person and you're like, man, these guys are nonstop, relentless all over the other team. And I can't imagine being the defender that has to somehow slow down Zhao Klaus. Because he <laughs> oh, just man. like pierces yep. through guys. Yeah. So right now, LAFC is plus 430 to win the championship. Your St. Louis City SC is at plus 5,000. FanDuel Sportsbook, get in now. And listen, I'm saying. I'll say this. this is we're, Obviously, we have a very insular look at this, but people who have been covering the MLS for multiple years. Their comments on Saturday night were something along the lines of, 
the they've never seen a team this composed and this dedicated to a system. And MLS teams aren't prepared to face a team that is this good at pressing right out of the gate. And so, I mean, that's from somebody who watches MLS and world football. That kind of take from that 3,000-foot view, that tells me that this isn't a flash in the pan. This is going to be something special throughout in, in a very good first season because, again, teams aren't prepared to play this every single week and it's gonna it, you see it it wear it wears on team teams and, and and i doubt they're gonna be the team that's that's too tired in the end that is matthew that is rook that is carrie i am randy and that's today's fresh take on 101 espn coming up a great win for the blues last night at enterprise center over a very good winnipeg team we're going to talk to the tv voice of the blues chris kerber <laughs> next on 101 espn you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers Late March 2023, and your St. Louis Blues are giving us a little bit of everything. Tory Krug goes bananas. Braden Shen, yeah, he went a little bit bananas too, and, and that was great. Joel Hofer was great. The Blues outshot 34-17, but they beat the Jets last night over at Enterprise Center. 3 nothing. and our buddy, now TV voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber joins us <laughs> here on the opening drive. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing fine. Uh, no, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm the bench warmer, uh, you know, <laughs> So uh, J.K. John, uh, just, just filling in for J.K. Yeah, J.K. not feeling well. So Dan Kelly did the radio last night, and you had the chance to do TV with Panger. Did you guys ever determine whether or not you were the first NHL bald broadcast crew? <laughs> I did. Man, there was so much going on yesterday afternoon. Didn't have to look that up. I, you know what? It'd be kind of interesting. Uh, I'd have to run through my head, but uh, no, I, I, I got an interesting response from people when I opened up the broadcast with the follically challenged... Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Curbs, obviously a huge weekend for Joel Hofer. He had 33 saves last night, and then he had 32 in the victory against the Capitals. What do you think of his performance this weekend, and how do you see his role moving forward with the Blues? Ah, uh, man, you know what, Brooke? I don't even want to like. I, he he played two really good games. He he looked really good. He he's played 90 American Hockey League games. He's done what. What Jordan Bennington did, he did what Billy Huso did, he did what Ben Bishop and Jake Allen has done. And there's one thing that Doug Armstrong has figured out: it's, it's keep a goaltender in the minor leagues, keep them down there uh, until to the point that they're really seasoned, maybe a little over season, and they're dominating down there. And then and then you bring them up. Now you've got a situation here where you're not coming into the lineup where Jordan Bennington did, where all the pressure's on and everything's you know clicking in that way. There's there's not a ton of pressure on this team right now. And, and that's not knocking him. I think Joel Hofer has played really, really well. He's done exactly what he, he's supposed to do, what he needed to do. Um, but I kind of just leave it there at that because it's a good look to the future in terms of he's on a one-way contract next year, so you know he'll be up here. Craig Berube said, obviously, in his press conference last night after the game that he's staying, but they called him up on emergency conditions. So he'll have to go back down and either be recalled under non-emergency conditions uh, – and they use one of their final recalls, one of their final two, or uh, or adjust there if he were to stay. So we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, 
But just a, a really good start for him and, and just a calm, uh, cool, collected customer so far. Curves, there was a moment yesterday where a crew kind of went crazy and, and did one of the things that I've been talking about that the Blues have been lacking in standing up for his teammate Nate, Nate, Nathan Walker, who got slammed into the boards. What did you make of that moment? And, and is that the type of fire that you need from your team uh, in order to have success? Well, I don't – I got to be honest with you. I still don't know exactly what he did to get the game as kind right. of – and the only thing I kept – the only thing I kept thinking of was, you know, Crash Davis, you know, calling the umpire certain words. <laughs> just not a lot of call, right? And, you know, and I mean, and, and, I, and I, I could read his lips one time when I think he told the referee that thou shalt go off by thyself and multiply. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll tell you uh, – yeah, it was a snap. But I, he, here's the thing that, and, and we'll find out today. Uh, it didn't go to the room last night. We'll, we'll find out today a little bit more of the detail, just really what set him off. But you know, you know he was st- slashing with somebody a little bit earlier. He, he had a little bird in his head. You, you love the fight. You love to compete. That's what made Tory Krug Tory Krug. That's that's how you play as long and as well in the National Hockey League. He has as an undrafted college kid, right? So. Uh, but, but the part that bothers you is you've got the, you've got a young referee in Blandin, uh, uh, Brandon Bland, uh, Blandisi, I believe his name was. You've got a, a veteran coach, a Stanley Cup winning coach in Craig Berube. Yet you know you're going to take some heat there. Th- this kid came in and had zero patience. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know why. Like to me, this was you know this was a, it was an Angel Hernandez moment, you know, uh, for for a young referee. You want to give him the two. You want to give him the ten. You give him the ten, you know, and and not the game misconduct. You give him the ten, you know, minute misconduct, and you hope things calm down. But then you got to go over to the coach and explain why the extra two is. I mean, they didn't explain it to anybody, and and that's where I think the coaching staff was really confused at that point in time because you, you're thinking that it should be a two minute penalty on the board, and you see four. So. Uh, I don't know exactly what he did to deserve it, and if he did deserve it, okay, he got it. But I, I thought it was just horrifically handled by uh, by a young referee, and I guess another coaching moment. Curbs, I asked uh, I asked Brooke and Kerry about this earlier, and if you get taken in the first round of any draft, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, you have physical skills. Somebody saw physical ability in you. You get guys like Kapanen and Verana, who, by the way, Kapanen playing PK and power play Verana, just he, he's so visible because he's so fast and has the great shot. I'm really intrigued to see what the future holds for these two, and I wonder if Doug Armstrong's done it again. Yeah, at least uh, he, what, what the biggest noticeable thing I've seen with those two guys has been the speed. Now, I did not, I, I hadn't seen enough of Verana to realize just how much you know sauce that his shot has. I mean, he can. His shot has been a laser on some of those one timers. I did not know he had that kind of shot. But what you have noticed, and I noticed it a couple times at speed. And Jordan, I'm sorry, Jordan Cairo did this pretty well. I thought last night too. But it's it's not just being able to skate fast from A to B. It's it's almost the where you're skating with the puck and then you change speeds, and it's that change of speeds that that can cause some problems for the defense. And I think the most noticeable thing with those two guys, Randy, in this lineup, I, I, I don't know that, you know, at, at their age, they, they aren't the complete players that Tarasenko and O'Reilly were, and maybe even Barbashev for that matter, but they have more speed than those guys did. And that part has been noticeable on the ice. 
Sammy Blay has been doing really well since returning uh, to the Blues curbs. What can you say about how he's been doing and performing? It seems like obviously he wants to be here and he's playing really well. But then you also look at Pavel Buchnevich and how successful he's been. It looks like the Blues have done pretty well in their trades with the Rangers, right? Well, yeah, I'm still, I, I still, honestly, uh, I don't, I wonder why the New York Rangers traded Pavel Buchnevich. Like, I'm, I, there are some players and like what they saw, what they didn't like, what, what was it? that made them say this is the guy. Because they had the cap space for him to, to extend him. Now, maybe they didn't – maybe they thought there was going to be some pinch somewhere else. But since then, I think they've had the cap space. Uh, what a terrific player he's been. And studious trying to figure out how to play at center, and he's always asking the coaches now how to handle certain things. And But he, he's been terrific. Getting Blake Black back, you, you knew just what you had with him. And, you know, he, he needed a second lease. It wasn't going well. He wasn't getting used. He was getting healthy scratched in New York. And here he's been given a chance like Verona, like Kapanen, but, but also, you know, like when I mentioned the Hofer thing, because this is a, this is a blues team that's not going to the playoffs in that sense. Some of the pressure's off uh, guys are now, you know, Verona and Kapanen are getting full top six minutes with the blues that they weren't getting with the other team. So they're getting a chance to show some stuff that maybe they have lost those opportunities in other places. Sammy Blaze getting now regular minutes. He's averaging 14 minutes a game in his, in his 18 with the Blues. That's more than he's averaged with any team anywhere, you know, since he started. And and he's playing a very straight-line game. And, and they've got a little bit of that old-school Blues grind line out there with Shen and, and Saad, and they're finding the net a little bit. So part of it's opportunity. I think part of it is just where they're at on the team. But you, you can't take away what you're seeing, and that is this. All three of those guys – have been asked to come in, play a certain way, and see how it goes. They're doing it exactly that way, and they're finding success. Curves, when you're looking at how they are playing now and the talent that they have, along with the draft picks and, and the options for, for offseason, are you are you excited about what next season could look like? Before I get there, Kerry, I'm just excited to see what happens with this draft. Now, look – Al McKinnis made a great comment to me the other day. And then so he he said, you know, I said, man, you just want to get as high a possible draft pick, don't you? And he said, well, he goes, you do. He said, but keep this in mind. Sometimes you get a better player at eight or nine than you do at four or five. And it was a great comment. So I started going back and flipping through some drafts and all that because you sit there and you go, okay, you know, maybe you pick a player that is supposed to be, you know, really good at one spot, but he's just not as good there, and then a later pick ends up being better. You know, don't forget, like, like in, in 2007 when the Blues traded away the ninth overall pick to San Jose to get a couple other picks, uh, the, the Sharks at ninth took uh, Logan Couture. So the reason I say I'm more excited for the immediate thing than next year is there's so many question marks about, you know, how this team is going to, uh, shape up and look for next year because of how the draft could go for the Blues. And, man, to me, you just got to stay top 10 uh, somehow. So if you do get lucky enough to win that draft lottery, you've got the first overall pick. So in that sense, it makes for a real interesting next two games against Detroit because <laughs> Detroit is ahead of the Blues in the standings. So, um, I'm, I mean, for the fans, I guess it's good for certain things. It validates some moves from Doug Armstrong. I'm not sure you want to get on a bender right now. <laughs> I'm with you there. I, I, I'm with you 100%. Hey, Kurt, I mean, I'm being just honest with you on that one. I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think that's that's the way to go. 
it, right? It, and the players all want to win, right? The coaches all want to win. So you, you, that's the the bottom line is the people that are down there closest to the ice are the people that are, that are going to determine where the Blues pick in the draft. And there's not a single Blues player that wants to have a guy taken number three or four so that he can take their job. Right. No, yeah, and and you know what, and and these guys, uh, and and they should. I mean, these guys are competitors. They're they're, they're mad. They're angry. They don't want to be where they're at. You know, and and so be it. But at the same time, from an organizational standpoint, and this is where this is where I, I say this, but you know, this is just well, we're going to see where the chips fall, right? Uh, the coaching staff is going to try to win every single game. They're going to try to win out. The, the, the players are going to try to win out. You know, you're too good of a team to fall. You know, too much. You know, lower than this because they are still a, 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 have got some good players on this team. But if you've gone through the pain. You know, you don't want to go through the pain and finish, you know, 12, 13, or 14. You know, right, right now you just accept the pain, realize that, uh, you know, that it's going to be there, and then you get the highest possible draft pick. Curbs, one of the great tragedies in sports is that we've just lost the gumption for punch a Red Wing fan in the face day, uh, which, which was great when the Blues and Red Wings were in the same division battling all the time, and we hated them, and they hated us, and their stupid fans would show up at our building, and we just, if you saw somebody with a Red Wings jersey on, you, you're a sweater, you just had to smack them in the, in the kisser. But uh, now, you look at where we are, they aren't making the playoffs, we aren't making the playoffs, we only play them twice a year. The level of disdain that I was able for the Red Wings and their fans has dissipated dramatically. It's amazing how far gone that is from where that rivalry was, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about that the other day, and just and and you know, you, you had such good guys. Now they traded away Sunquist. That helped. Uh, that helped. You know, as soon as as soon as Fabry and Perron are gone from Detroit, that'll that'll help even more. Then, then I can go back to you know. But I'm sitting there going, man, I like David Perron so much as a guy and as a player. I'm like, yeah, but he plays for the Red Wings, and and I haven't. I just my father-in-law is a Red Sox fan, right? Mm-hmm. So the moment Roger Clemens became a Yankee, you know, he was done. I'm like, oof, I just I haven't developed that certain level of rivalry. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to call it, nastiness, uh, DNA, whatever it may be. You know, but but having said that, uh, you're right. It, it it isn't the same, and that's really kind of the shame of it. Uh, so. But it is what it is. It doesn't mean I'm rooting for them, uh, but at the same time, like, uh, man, they've gone through a long rebuild, too. Yeah. Have they, haven't they? Yeah. Like, and they're going to be good, right? Eiserman's going to get them going. Well, they've got a real interesting situation right now. If you go to, if you go to, uh, to Cap Friendly and you look at, at their, where they're at, they've got a really good amount of, uh, and I know, you know Larkin's taken care of, but they've got a really good amount of uh, unrestricted free agents. And so this becomes a real critical offseason for Steve Eiserman because if he doesn't continue this turnaround and, and, and where it's going to go, and you would think with what he did with Tampa, he's going to be able to, it could still stall on them a little bit. So uh, Detroit's in a real interesting spot right now where they seem poised and ready to go, but this could, they could slip back a little bit too. Uh, having said that, uh, it will be fun to see David Perron coming back mm-hmm. in tomorrow, and uh, you know, and, and and playing. And then obviously Sunquist came in with with Minnesota, but uh, you know, the Blues have a, a pretty good peppering of their former players around the league right now. They were really good and fun guys to have around. Curbs, great stuff as always. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, have an awesome week, you three. Thanks. Thanks. See you later. That is the. Uh... 
radio voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, TV voice last night with John Kelly under the weather. And Dan Kelly, John's brother, did the game here on 101 ESPN. One time, I think it was 2011, 2012, I'm walking into Enterprise Center at that time. I think it was Scott Trade. And this was when Punch a Red Wing fan in the face day was at its height. And the Mm -hmm. Red Wings were in town. And I'm walking in. I'm walking along the street where the media entrance is. And a one of St. Louis' finest, men in blue, a police officer, taps me on the shoulder, grabs me on the shoulder, spins me around toward him. I said, hey, officer, how you doing? Doing good. Hey, just want you to know you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You should have did it right there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, men and women of the St. Louis uh, City Police Department for making Red, uh, Punch Red, a Red Wings fan in the face day uh, a safe endeavor for Blues fans for all those years. <laughs> we, we do appreciate it. It was always the Red Wing fans' fault. Always. Always. Uh, Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and the fight coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Back to the opening drive. Joined by Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is returning. Ryan got a big win last week. Ryan, how was your weekend? How did how did that how did you go into the weekend feeling after that win? Uh, it felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. All right. Well, yep. are, are you are you prepared to take on Mega Mind again and, and come out with another victory? Uh, I, I'm here to give it my best. There we go. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Here we go. This weekend, Missouri's, Missouri lost with the second loss to a 15 seed in the last 11 years, falling to which school? Hold on. Let me start that over. Missouri lost this weekend to Princeton. That is Missouri's second loss to a 15 seed in the last 11 years. Which school did they fall to in the 2012 tournament? Norfolk State. You didn't even need the Kier. option. Yeah, Kerry took a break. I, I, he I was, to like scratch well, his nose and was just like, "Okay, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna, I was gonna, yeah, you got it." There I mean, go. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan didn't even need <laughs> it. He didn't need any options. You going to Randy Carriker style? <laughs> okay. Question number two: Who was the last Cardinals outfielder to win National League Rookie of the Year? You need options ben for this Coleman. one. Oh, oh my ben gosh! Coleman. All righty. Well, all right. No, no Ryan, options this morning. Go. Well, let's see if you can continue this. <laughs> Only two players in NBA history have won. The six-man of the award have won three different six-man of the year awards. Lou Williams is the one of them. Which other player recently retired guard did it? Is it Manu Ginobili, J.R. Smith, or Jamal Crawford? I do believe it was Manu Ginobili. Across the previous four editions of the World Baseball Classic, three different nations took home the title. Japan twice, the U.S. once, and who was the third? Do you need the options for this one? Yeah, if I could get the options on that. <laughs> okay, fine, Ryan. All right, just kidding. Right. Cuba, Puerto Rico, or the Dominican Republic? <sighs> the Dominican Republic. I think they took one. Dominican Republic. All right, we'll double check our answers and bring in Randy Carricker. Ryan, how are you feeling? 
Uh, I, I think I probably got at least three. I'm feeling all right. All right. You got at least three. I, I, you you, uh, you didn't need options for I a know. few of them, so you must have yeah. really felt good about those. Oh, those. but Randy has a snack coming in here oh, and yeah. Mountain Dew. What is he eating? What is that you got? Banana. Oh, you got a banana. He's mm-hmm. always healthy when you come in here. It's never like a Pop-Tart. Try to be healthy. Hey, no question. Do you, uh, do you warm your Pop-Tarts up or do you just eat them out of oh, the wrapper? I know where you're going yeah, with I just this. Wonder. Totally toasted. <laughs> Just wonder. There's a person in this studio that's never had a pop tort warmed up. That's not what I said. <laughs> you prefer. It seems to it seems to me that time is of the essence. That's why you're eating a pop tart. You just get straight to it. I just the majority oh my of my life, I'm a grab and go pop tart eater. All right? You have to you. put it in the toaster. That, that's that how you do minutes, it. minutes. If you got if you don't have it, you got to go. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Ryan. He is back from last week. Ryan, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Good to have you with us. You ready, sir? Ready. Mizzou's loss this past weekend was their second loss to a 15 seed in the, in the last 11 years. Which school did they fall to in the 2012 tournament? 2012. Was that uh, Norfolk? N-O-R-F-O-L-K. Norfolk State? <laughs> I believe it was. I'll go with that. Okay. Ready? Who who was the last Cardinals outfielder to win National League Rookie of the Year? National League Rookie of the Year for a Cardinal outfielder. Okay, this is kind of a technical question. But was Albert Pujols considered an outfielder in his rookie year? Is he on the list? No. Because he played the outfield, anyone? So, um, okay. (laughs) I love that Randy has to (laughs) process everything in a totally (laughs) different way. You never know. He played a legitimate question and he got oh, and he got an answer to it. I'll, I'll oh, answer a legitimate question if I don't feel oh, goodness. anything. I love it. Well, Vince Coleman won in 1985. Todd Worrell won the rookie of the year in '86. Cardinals didn't have a rookie of the year in '87 or '88. They didn't have any rookies of the year during the '90s. Uh, so we get move into the 2000s. They just didn't have rookies in the 2000s under Tony Larissa. Um. Dylan Carlson didn't win it. He was third. So I guess I am going to go with the last Cardinal outfielder to win Rookie of the Year being Vincent Van Gogh in 1985. All righty. Only two players in NBA history have won three different Six Man of the Year awards. Mm. Lou William is one. Who is the other recently retired guard? That won three of these babies, huh? Yes, sir. Six man of the year? Yep. I'll do the lifeline. Manu Ginobili, J.R. Smith, Jamal Crawford. Hmm. Jamal Crawford did do it a couple of times. I'm going to go with Jamal Crawford. He was a really underrated player, by the way. Really good NBA player. Across the previous four editions of the World Baseball Classic, three different nations took home the title. Japan Japan twice, the U.S. once, and who was the third? This is another fun one. So, I don't think the Dominican has ever won it. Although that's a logical choice to make. Um, I don't think Chinese... Seems like the Netherlands had a year where they were really good. It's hard to imagine that they would have won it, though. Um, 
Israel never has. So the three we've got are USA, Japan, and what was the other one? That was the, uh, that, that was that's the one. Yeah, who's the third? Yeah, oh, the out third. Of four. Okay. <laughs> yeah, out of I was four. like, uh, okay, got it. I, I, I understand. Okay. One twice. Yeah. Yeah. The United States have won once. I thought you were okay. trying to trip Good. me up and like no. give you the answer, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> I was. <laughs> he gets a fight rookie just to say the answer for him. Yeah. Um, I know this is weird, but I'm going to say the Netherlands. I don't know why. I should say the Dominican Republic, but I'm saying the Netherlands. Well, Randy, I'll, I'll let you know you probably should have said something different. We got a three three tie hmm. here between Randy and Ryan, which means we're going to go to our tiebreaker, and we'll do this how we always do. It's going to be a closer to the pin question. We're going to ask the question. Randy will have a, a moment to think it over. He'll write down his answer. Then Ryan will say his answer audibly. We will then all say what Randy's answer is, so there's no chicanery. And then whoever's closest to the pin wins the tiebreaker in this instance of the fight. Do you understand those rules, Mr. Ryan? Yes. All right, Randy, are you ready? I understand. All right. One of our favorite <laughs> players, two-way players ever, Deion Sanders. He played nine seasons in Major League Baseball. Across those nine seasons, how many total games did Deion Sanders play in his Major League Baseball career? Across nine seasons, how many total games did Deion Sanders play in his MLB career? Just a moment, Ryan. Randy Carricker is writing down his answer. You can hear the pen a-scribbling, and he has made his guess. Ryan, what is your guess, sir? 982. Ryan guessed 982. Randy, your guess was? 810. And Granite, can you confirm that? Yes? Yes, it was 810. So I guess a 982. What's what's 9 times 9? 81. Thank you. (laughs) Ryan guessed 982. Randy guessed 810. We have a winner of this fight. Does Ryan move on to a Hall of Fame opportunity? Or does Randy get back in the driver's seat facing a new fighter tomorrow? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm not ready on you. Just win, just baby. Win, just win, baby. Just win, baby. I'm just going to keep pressing it until it goes on. I'm still pressing just, it, just, everybody. Just, 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 it's now finally at peace. Let's go through all those answers. Missouri- I found out, by the way, did you guys know that in high school, like if you did bad, bad at a class, you could add tutors? <laughs> did you guys know that? I, I had no idea. You didn't know they offered yeah, so, tutoring? Somebody was telling me, I should have been a tutor for you in math. Yeah, no doubt. Did you ever meet your guidance counselor in high school? Did you ever meet? Not that I recall. <laughs> I met mine. He was actually the soccer coach. He taught us all about the NCAA and and how to uh, make sure you had your core classes and your GPA and got the ACT score. We all know Mizzou loses to another 15 seed. It's their second time in the last 11 years. The first one, of course, Noel Fox State and Kyle O'Quinn back in 2012. Yeah, (laughs) saying it like an Englishman makes me even more angry. The last Cardinals outfielder to win NL Rookie of the Year because Pujols is not apparently on the list as an outfield is, in fact, Vince Coleman in 1985. The only two players in NBA history to have won three different 
different six man of the year awards are in fact Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford and across the four previous editions of the World Baseball Classic it was Japan Japan Dominican Republic and then the United States obviously the chance for the United States to add on a second title so Dominican Republic was the answer number four it was, was a three, Netherlands tie. even one of the teams it was, was not uh, okay. Cuba and Puerto Rico both lost okay. championship uh, matches in, in previous years of the WBC they were the other options so a 3-3 tie goes to the tiebreaker and again Randy Carricker gets closer to the pin on the Deion Sanders question so thank you so much for joining the show and the fight today Ryan all right, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Have a great day. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We appreciate you tuning in. And that is the fight. Coming up, was this the wildest first weekend of the NCAA tournament ever? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Four, straightaway three. with 103 on the clock. For the second time ever, we had an NCAA number 16 seed beat a number one seed as Fairleigh Dickinson eliminated Purdue on Friday night. And Kerry, Brooke, you look at what happened over the course of the weekend, and it really was pretty wild. Not only did you have a top seed lose in the first round, but you had a nine seed versus a 16 seed in a second round game. You had Princeton, a number 15 seed, beating Arizona and then knocking out Mizzou with the, the biggest margin of victory ever for a 15th seed. And I'll tell you what, it was as wild as... Uh, first weekend of the NCAA tournament, as I can remember, although Brooks' memory is better than mine. <laughs> well, you know, so I saw this question that you posed, and I was like, you know what, Randy, you forgot about my Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders and what they did back in 2016. All right, so everybody buckle up, because this is going to be a, <laughs> a long opening weekend recap of what happened in 2016, if you don't remember. Yale, in its first NCAA tournament appearance since 1962, upset number five seed Baylor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And remember, they kind of became the Ivy League lovable underdogs. Wichita State, which nearly didn't make the tournament, crushed number six Arizona, Arkansas, Arkansas Little Rock, a team with a first year coach and almost an entire roster of transfers, upset number five Purdue. Syracuse, a team that shouldn't even have been in the big dance, crushed Dayton. Iowa beat Temple in overtime, and you had number 13 seed Hawaii won its first ever NCAA tournament game by taking down a Cal team. And then, last but not least, you had a number 15 seed in my Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders <laughs> knocking out, they were a two seed, Michigan State. They, they Remember, a lot of people were talking about why didn't Michigan State get the number one seed? You know, why weren't they that? And then Middle Tennessee beat them. That was arguably one of the biggest upsets in tournament history. So I'm going to say that 2016 had a lot going on, a lot of weird things for its opening weekend. Your 2016 was pretty impressive. I'm, I'm proud of you. It was like it was one of the first times, for those who don't know in Tennessee, obviously orange is the popular color mm-hmm. because of the Tennessee Vols. But when that happened in 2016, especially in the middle Tennessee area, you finally saw a lot of blue for the middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. I will. I'm looking at the 2018 tournament. The the only other time that a a uh, 
one seed was beaten mm-hmm. by a 16. You got UMBC University of Baltimore College beating the then number one, I think they were the number one overall seed in Virginia, yeah. uh, had only lost two games. They actually lost in the first round that year, and I think they came back and won the national championship the next year, Virginia did. But you also had uh, Loyola beating Miami in the first round, then beating Tennessee, the number three seed, to go to the uh, to the Sweet 16. They were 11. They were an 11 seed that year. You got the, um, where am I at? Who, Syracuse taking on TCU, winning that game, and then beating Michigan State, that was a number three seed, uh, and making it to the Sweet 16. Those are, are some really big uh, games for them, and, and Loyola went on to make it to the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the Final Four. They they had a really good year mm-hmm. that year, um, and so that was a that was a year. I mean, anytime you get a number one seed upset by a 16, and and who in the world knew what Maryland Baltimore College was prior to them beating the number one ranked uh, Virginia Cavaliers that year? That to me, anytime you have that happening, is an outstanding uh, tournament, and it just starts crazy. And then I, I can't forget last year. The run that St. Peter's made mm-hmm. throughout the tournament. For me, anytime you get one of those Cinderella's winning multiple games in the tournament, uh, beating some of the Blue Bloods is is extremely fun to watch. Yeah, that happened in 2013. When Florida Gulf Coast, a number 15, knocked off number two Georgetown in the first round, then got San Diego State in the second round. But the difference was, and this we're just talking about the first weekend, because ordinarily by the time you get to the Final Four, it's Blue Bloods, it's yeah. teams that yep. you know, right? So, Brooke, that first weekend that you brought up in 2016, pretty amazing. And you just look at what happened uh, to a lot of, the, like, Colorado State eliminating Missouri in 2013. Uh, and Mizzou was a 9 seed, Colorado State was an 8, but nobody here expected Mizzou to lose that game in the first round. And then you uh, you also had uh, the Billikens, who were a 4 seed, by the way, uh, in, in that uh, tournament in 2013. They beat New Mexico State in the first round, then just got drilled by Oregon in the, in the second round. And then the other part of that one that was just unusual was Duke as the, it wasn't unusual, but Duke having trouble in their first game, Albany gave them all they could handle before they wound up winning that game. But this one, man, when you have Purdue falling in the first round, and it was, you said all year long, you didn't think Purdue was that good. I didn't. And and Illinois had a, they played them the last game of the regular season, went up to Purdue and it was a really close game. They actually had an opportunity to win that game and watching them, they got a big guy. Edie is, is, is huge in the middle. He's Mm -hmm. a, he's a large human being. They play through him and, and, you know, they just could not get it taken care of versus FDU. Uh, Purdue couldn't. But also, we didn't talk about what Princeton did this weekend. Mm-hmm. They had a very good run. They they beat up on the Arizona Wildcats, then they got an opportunity to play uh, Missouri Tigers, and they beat up on them as well. They are a team that, as a 15 seed, you, you just still playing in this tournament, having an opportunity to go to the Sweet 16 and win a couple of more games and make it to the Final Four. Those are special moments for those programs and for those young men. And they get Creighton. They throw you off your game, Princeton does. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a really interesting game between they and Creighton. And by the way, in that bottom part of the bracket, you lose two number one seeds in both Purdue and Kansas. Feel bad for all the real, the, uh, the Rock Chalk Jayhawk <laughs> fans. Do you feel, do you feel bad? Mm. Rock was happy about it. That's, he said that's the only thing that made his weekend worth it was Watching KU lose basketball wise, yeah, that, that was yeah. that was a pretty big deal. I just think I just think all these upsets and the fact that we're getting more of these 15s, 
start putting in more mid-majors, start leaving out maybe the 6th or 7th team in the ACC or the, or the Big Ten or something like that. Start putting in more mid-majors because I think it, it make, makes the tournament better, and I think the NIL and the portals opened up more for those teams. Yeah, a ton of parity. All right, coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got the Rush Hour Reset for you. Take a look at what's at the top of the news heap next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the Opening Drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Nine oh seven in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Take a look at our rush hour reset. Maybe you didn't hear or you woke up late. The St. Louis City SC Soccer Club becomes the first expansion team in MLS history to start 4-0 with a 3-0 victory on the pitch over the San Jose Earthquakes. Roman Berkey with the clean sheet. And oh, by the way, St. Louis City right back Jake Nerwinski is going to join us coming up in just a few minutes. But congratulations to City. What's the chant here for City? What do we, give, us a, give us a chant, you two. I, I like how they, they had at one point, we built this city. Did you hear that one? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, was, I, mean, I was using that one to come in for every yeah. every city interview we had before we got highlights. So, I yeah, I love that, that one. one. Yeah. That's a nice one. Good. Yeah. Again, Santa Claus is coming to town. That's, that's that, right. that one right that's, there is, is the king. You know, that's king of the hill right now. Leader in the clubhouse. Glad you like it. Glad you like it. The Cardinals were winners again yesterday. They rallied from an early deficit and knocked off the Mets by a score of 8-7. to seven. Dakota Hudson was rocked. And... Uh, not to denigrate anybody, but the people who led the comeback offensively will not be here on opening day in 10 days. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Cardinals will play the Marlins today down in Jupiter, and Jake Woodford will get the start for the Redbirds. The Blues, winners last night as well, 3-0 as well over Winnipeg. Joel Hofer with the shutout. Here is head coach Craig Berube. I thought the whole team, though, we did a great job of protecting their slot area and high danger shots. Um, you know, but he was he was good, you know. Again, solid around the net, and you know, no rebounds and things like that. So it was good. And both Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong saying that Hofer is going to be here. He was up on emergency recall because of Joel uh, Jordan Bennington's yep. suspension, but he's going to be here. Curves made a good point about you know. You, you want to play well, but how well do you really want them mm-hmm. to play? I mean, they are right there at that, that ninth, uh, potentially tenth, where they'll be out of the top ten if they keep winning. Uh, obviously, the players on the ice want to win games. That's their job. That's their livelihood. It's important for them to, to show up and show out every time they get an opportunity. But as a franchise and as a fan, you want them to potentially be in that top ten so they can have that 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 chance for the overall first overall pick if if it falls to them. And these are two big ones. Tomorrow and Thursday against Detroit, the Blues are two points behind the Red Wings in the league standing. So those would be two games that would be valuable to play well but maybe lose 3-2? Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, Randy, you're not ever going to get a professional athlete to just say, nope. okay, now nah, we're, we're going to do what's best. No, nah, I got to I gotta win and perform my best. And I want to score. I want to play defense. I want to hit people. I want to I want to save shots. I want to keep shots from going in the net. I don't know how you're going to get this team that is seeming to have figured some things out just by their play, even though they haven't won every game or, or, or you know, been in 
they've been in most of the games recently, which is much better than much more than you could say at certain points throughout this season early on. We just have to look forward to April because the rest of the March schedule, if you were a playoff team, you'd be absolutely thrilled with the rest of March because you've got these two against Detroit, Anaheim, you've got the Kings on the road. That's going to be a tough one. Then you've got Vancouver and Chicago all out of the playoffs. But then you get to April, Nashville in the playoff hunt, Boston, best record in the league, Philadelphia, now they're kind of a mess, Rangers in the playoff hunt, Minnesota in the playoff hunt, Dallas back to back to end the season. So maybe April will be able to help you out a little bit. Hmm. Hope hope so. Uh, World Baseball Classic last night. Adam Wainwright goes the first four innings, allows one run. Miles Michaelis goes the second four innings, allows one run. Aside from each going four innings and allowing one run, what else do those two have in common? Uh, They play for the Cardinals. Yes, they do. (laughs) Paul Goldschmidt, two for five with four runs batted in. A two-run homer in the bottom of the first. Nolan Arenado, two for three with an RBI. And uh, he was pretty good. Goldie Arenado, what do they got in common? They really played good. for the Cardinals. Yeah. MVP candidates. Uh, that too. Well, that they too. have a few things in common. I think they they hit the ball really well. After the game, Wayno with our buddy Greg Amzinger on MLB Network. What does this say? You know, there's so many teams out there that want to make sure that their players aren't overexposed. And we saw Nolan Arenado get hit in the hand, left the game. That the St. Louis Cardinals have you, Miles Michaelis, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, all four of you guys, yeah. helping Team USA get to the championship T- game. Team Cardinal today. Think about that. Team Cardinals. Oh, yeah. It yeah, does some damage. We had fun today. I mean, look, we love playing baseball, and uh, I think I think more than anything, for us right now, we're representing our country, and we're playing baseball. No one's doing this for money. We're doing it because we love baseball and we love our country. We're hearing USA play in the background. USA, USA. Every time we walk onto the field or off the field, you know, we're we're going to go up against the most hostile crowds I've ever seen in my entire life. Right. Every day. Um, it's the loudest. I mean, I don't know how loud these games are, but they got to be setting records for, for baseball. It's oh, just it's out of this world insane right now. It's so fun. Baseball players, if you're out there, Major League Baseball players, you've got to come play this. You've got to come experience this. This is unlike anything I've ever played. I've been playing baseball for 20-something years you have. now. You I've have. been in the big leagues for 18 years. I've never experienced like this one time in my life. This is the most fun I've ever had. Isn't that cool? To hear Adam Wainwright, he's a grizzled veteran talking like that. I mean, we we talked about it earlier uh, earlier this year, uh, earlier this month, where he was saying how he sat in his boat and when he first got uh, cut a few years, many years back, and was not oh, able to 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 participate. Uh, this moment is something he's probably been waiting on and looking forward to, and it's because of what's taking place, the chance, the 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 energy that is brought to this team, and to be able to do it with your current teammates along alongside some of the the most superstar athletes in the world has got to be great for him. Yeah, I mean, he he just loves everything USA, right? And for him to be able to play on that stage, and he's been performing well, right? Because mm-hmm. right before he left, not the best from him in those first two spring training starts, and so you were kind of worried about what he would look like going into this World Baseball Classic, and now I'm not worried. This is the Wayno that we need, yeah. the vintage Wayno that we need. Hopefully it will continue to stay that way when he does return to the Cardinals. And Mexico and Japan will play for the other semifinal tonight. That'll be on FS1. And then tomorrow, the USA against the winner of Mexico and Japan for the World Baseball Classic Championship. There's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, St. Louis City 4-0. and And we're going to talk to their right back, Jake Nerwinski, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
these are our weapons within our system. We rely on outside backs to be aggressive. It's one of the positions I pride myself most on because I played that way. So, you know, I was enjoyed being an attacking outside back, and uh, I expect that of the boys too, without losing the shape or the discipline. That is St. Louis City SC head coach Bradley Carnell talking about his outside backs and one of those right now. The uh, right back, Jake Nerwinski, joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Jake, good morning with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis. This is Randy Carricker. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Got to start with this. Uh, did you have your Huskies going this far in your in your bracket? Of course I did. I had them going to the final. I, ha- I have to, you know. It's looking good right now because everybody else isn't working out, so I might actually sneak through with that one. Yeah, a UConn grad Jake Nerwinski. Yeah, they've. Uh, hey, they, they might win it. I'm glad you have. You you'll win if you have them in the finals. You might win the whole thing. I know that's all. It's fine. It has to happen, or else there's no chance anyway. Well, Jake, obviously a huge weekend for you guys. First expansion team in league history to start 4-0. What does that mean to be able to make history this past weekend for you guys? Oh, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, it's, you know, it's awesome to, to come into a club and come into a team where everybody has the same goal and where everybody wants to you know, work hard together. And, and you know, we had you know, a long six weeks of preseason to, to try to you know, get ourselves ready for the season, and all of that hard work has paid off so far. So that's even more... Um, it's even more great, so it's it's been awesome. Well, and then you guys were able to get the shutout too, without having Parker or Blom out there too, right? Yeah, that was you know that was our our goal going into this week. Uh, we didn't want to put too much pressure on you know thinking about you know making history. Um, we just wanted to make sure that we done we get to do in the first three games, which is keep that clean sheet. And obviously, with you know Tim out, he's a you know, big experienced player that's uh, played over, you know, 200 something games in MLS. He's like, he's a leader on and off the field. And, you know, same with Blum. He's a very experienced player. He's, he's very good. And I think the guys that filled in for him, you know, Lucas and uh, Indy, they, they played great. And I think that's kind of just shows what kind of team we are is that no matter, you know, who goes down or who's not playing, it's the next man up that can, uh, coming you know, put in a good shift. Now, Jake, I said it earlier, I got a little bit of a bone to pick with Lutz because he came on our show many times and told us, oh, guys, don't expect too much of this team. You know, we're a franchise. We're, we're an expansion franchise. It's all new to us. Did you all know that you all had this potential to be this good this early on? Yeah, you know, I think that's just him being being humble. Uh, he, that's kind of the – you know, the the theme that we have on this team and in this club is to, you know, not get too ahead of ourselves and not think, you know, too highly. Um, but, you know, going into preseason and throughout preseason, I knew we had something. Um, you know, the guys that were brought in and the team that was formed together, we, we bonded quickly. It's a group of really good guys, guys that just want to, you know, work hard and play for the team, no individuals, um, so I, I knew that you know we had a chance, we had the recipe to be successful, but then we had to show that on the field, and we've done that the last four games. So it's been uh, it's been great. St. Louis City right back Jake Derwinski with us on the opening drive. And Jake, when the uh, when St. Louis City signed you around Thanksgiving, obviously they they were very excited about it. How did they sell you on coming to an expansion team? You know what? They didn't really need to sell me that much. This was St. Louis was uh, was the top spot for me. It was somewhere where I discussed with you know my family, my parents, uh, my wife, and I think it was. I, I thought at the time that it was going to be the great you know a perfect place for me to land, and 
so far, I, I think I'm right. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy with how, how everything has gone. Um, I knew that, you know, the playing style that Brad and Lutz wanted to implement, you know, the city being just one of the biggest sports cities um, in the country, it just was all very appealing to me, and, and I'm really happy that uh, I'm here. And it's got to be cool from an athlete's standpoint to hear Bradley Carnell in that cut that we had coming in talking about how he wants you to play an aggressive style. No athlete wants to to lay back, right? He wants you to be involved and be aggressive. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the, the main point of our, our style is we're relentless. And I think that that's shown in games, especially uh, this past Saturday where, you know, we're playing against a team that wants to keep the ball more, wants to slow down the game, and we just didn't let them – let them breathe, really, you know, especially in that second half. I think that we were swarming, we were relentless, and they had no answers for us. And I think that's going to be a problem with a lot of teams when they come to play us, especially, you know, in our home stadium. Well, speaking of that, Jao Klaus with his third goal this past weekend, what do you think it's like for guys trying to defend and stop him? Oh, he's a, I mean, I, I try to do it all week in training and it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sore most of the week until I get to, you know, Friday where we get to, he gets to be on my team for a bit, so, which is nice. But he is, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a workhorse. He's a beast. He's, he's, um, he's someone that, you know, it's, is really humble and just wants to work hard and just wants to, you know, help the team. So it's a, it's a refreshing, you know, thing to have for, uh, for a DP. Jack, I got to ask you about a couple of nicknames. So St. Louis City has been – there have been a few nicknames out there. They, they've chosen the dogs. What do you think about that first? And then, who Brooke just spoke about, Jao Klaus, we, we call him Santa Klaus. What do you think about that nickname as well? All right, so for the dogs, I think – I like that. You know, we, we do. We got a little bit of dog in us. I okay. think that's kind of like our, our mentality, and that's how we want to play every game. So I'll take that. Um Santa Claus, uh, we might need to work on a little bit. (laughs) So you weren't a fan of them singing Santa Claus is coming to town? I I do like that. That is not, you know, but, you know, hey, we're four games in. I think there's going to be a a few more, you know, to come. All right. (laughs) What about about the chance? Is there a chant that has stood out to you, or what have you heard that maybe you were like, oh, that's pretty clever? Yeah, I, I don't. It's not maybe it's not too clever, but it's something that I, I noticed that the whole stadium, you know, got behind was just the STL chant. Um, you know, going into other stadiums, you kind of only hear the supporters doing the chants the whole game. But you know, noticing that when the you know supporting section started the STL and the whole stadium to get involved, it was um, it, it was pretty surreal. You know, it, the stadium is one of the loudest in the league, and it's uh, it's going to be a huge advantage for us. St. Louis uh, City SC right back Jake Nerwinski with us for a few more moments here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Hey, Jake, with the style that you play, how much do you work on the other team? How much tape do you watch? How much game planning is necessary when you are as aggressive as you are? Yeah, obviously we don't want any other team to, you know, um, stop us from playing the style that we want. But, you know, throughout the week we do – try to replicate the other team as much as we can, um, you know, whether that's in film or that's on the field and training. Uh, but for the most part, we're, you know, we're kind of occupied with how we want to be and how we can be successful playing our own way because we never want to play to somebody else's, you know, style. And you've obviously played at Real Salt Lake. What's that like? Yeah, the elevation is, uh, is, is definitely tough. It's, it's a new kind of different environment for a lot of guys. Um, 
the the first 10, 15 minutes in warm up, you're kind of catching your breath a bit, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely something that you, you have to get used to. But, you know, I think with the stamina and the energy that we play it, I think I, we're not going to have a problem at all. Are you going to have any tips? Because you played in Vancouver, so you played there a lot. Are, do you have any tips for guys that either have come over from overseas or have not played there? Beet juice. That's what that's what we do every, before a game. We do, you drink some beet juice. It helps you get you know acquits. I don't I don't know the science behind it. Don't ask me any further than that. I'm just going to say beet juice. if it works, it works. Right? No, it gives you it gives you a good pump. Might be right on that one. Yeah. No, it really does. It does work. It gets the blood flowing a little bit more. There you go. There's the thing. <laughs> there and is it good? That's the other thing. Is beet juice good? It's terrible. Now. Is it, no, it is an acquired yeah, taste, and most you, people have, yeah. haven't acquired it. Yeah, you plug your nose and you try to get you try to get it all down in one goal. Yeah, it's terrible. Hey, congratulations on the start, Jake. Thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate it, and keep it up this uh, coming weekend. All right, thank you very much. You guys have a good day, and good luck to your Huskies. Yes, thank you. Take care. That is uh, Jake Nerwinski, one of the uh, backs for St. Louis City SC, the right back. And they're off to an awesome start. Pretty cool deal for St. Louis City SC. And by the way, we will have St. Louis City SC players on every show today. Matthew, you've got uh, the schedule. Yeah, Nico Joachini uh, is going to join BK and Ferrario because uh, apparently if you uh, have ever stepped foot in the in Kansas City before. Uh, BK is just like on top of that booking you. And then uh, Kyle Hebert, the other uh, center back uh, will be who contributed in that clean sheet, will be joining the fast lane. All right, looking forward to that throughout the day here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, what a night it was in St. Louis on Saturday. And it just showed again what an unbelievable sports town we are. That's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and 424 this afternoon, spring starts. So 425, I'm guessing I should go play golf, huh? Sounds like it. <laughs> yep. Is that Perfect the actual weather time? to do so. 424 this afternoon, Is spring that how starts. That works? Yeah. Mm. What? I didn't I never knew that there was like a specific time <laughs> is, that yeah. went with that. I yeah, thought it was just the day. No, it's a, it's a, there's a time of the day. See, I you see the weather Besides doing, this. Randy, it's tricking <laughs> us. We woke up today it was 28 degrees. By 425 it will be, be 58 weather. degrees. It'll be golf weather. It'll be golf weather, but it's I don't like it, Randy. It's tricking us, and it's not fair. Uh, by the way, I just looked at uh, the 30th opening day for the Cardinals. Oh. High of 58 and a 58% chance of rain. Oh, no. no. no but you know what? It's a long ways away. Still 10 days away. Uh, guys, I, I, this struck me on Saturday evening because the Battlehawks are new, and I would guess that most fans, when they go to a Battlehawks game, probably can't name more than five of the players, right? They're... They're just, they, they haven't been around long enough for us to learn. Same thing with City SC. For the most part, and I know City 2 played, and there were a lot of people that were really invested, but they played before then four games. It wasn't like, oh, here's my uh, Joao Klaus moment, or mm-hmm. here's my, like when when Ryan O'Reilly won the Stanley Cup, or Albert yeah. Pujols hit a home run in Houston, or Kurt Warner threw right. a touchdown pass to Isaac Bruce. We just haven't had those moments with those guys yet. Yet, that being said, 60,000 people descend on downtown St. Louis, 38,310 for the Battle Hawks and 22,500 for St. Louis City SC, just so that people can root for St. Louis. Yep. 
I just think that's really cool. And this is an unusual situation. If if you go to Atlanta with a ton of transplants or Dallas or Phoenix or L.A., you aren't going to find that amount of people that will root for their city. That's what people are rooting for right now. Well, and even Jake said just how loud the fans were this past weekend. Honestly, I didn't know if weather was going to play a factor into how fans were going to pick where they were going or anything like that. But I was really surprised. I mean, people were rocking inside City Park Stadium. It was loud. The energy was really high. People kept going. And then you see the Battlehawks as well. Because I was over at the City SC game and I was like, well, I wonder how attendance is. Like, this is this is packed in here. Another sellout for City SC this past weekend, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and I want to see. The, the Battlehawks game was a technical sellout. They sold yeah. every ticket they had. Yeah. And that's and I was like, I want to see what it looks like at the Battlehawks game. So I tuned into that for a little bit. And I'm like, wow. The, the amount of support that you have from fans coming in downtown, I hope. I hope that people, you know, the you know, the big wigs, I guess you should say, the ones who make the more money are paying attention that this is a sports town and you need to invest in your sports teams and the things that surround it because that's where the business is. And then you throw Cardinals into the mix, too. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. bigger. And the Blues are still drawing big crowds. Even though they aren't making the playoffs and they yes. got rid of their stars, people just want to root for their community. There are a lot of people that can learn that athletics – you know, drive economies, it drives mm-hmm. school districts, it drives a lot of things, regardless of what you think about it, right? It's it's the one thing that brings people of all different backgrounds together. You could have people that may not agree politically, but they both love mm-hmm. City, or they both love the St. Louis Cardinals, and so you could be sitting right next to someone that you may have, be, may have been arguing with on Twitter all day and night, but, you know, in real life, you all are both Cardinals fans high-fiving when, when Arenado makes a big play at third. So, those are the things that that bring communities, bring cities, bring people together. And if more people paid attention to that, you would have a a much better uh, you just have a much better place, a much better better world. I, I've heard athletes say, you know, if if everyone could be like it is in a locker room. Mm-hmm. You got people from from North Dakota down to Miami, Florida. Those two people would never probably interact with one another other than in an NFL locker room or in a in a in an NBA locker room, hockey, wherever it is. Those people are completely different in their upbringing, but sports brings them together, yeah. and that's what that's the importance of it. And we need that in a town like this. And Kerry, you played in Atlanta, you played in Pittsburgh. I argue with people; it's not much of an argument that if you are north of Atlanta or east of the Rockies, pretty much all the cities, the people that are there are from there. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, uh, Green Bay slash Milwaukee, St. Louis, KC. They aren't transplant cities. I think you have a much more hardcore, passionate, emotional fan base in the the cities that are north and east because people aren't transplanting there. They're from there, and they take pride in the fact that they're from there. If you're from Chicago and you move to Atlanta mm-hmm. and you're a Bears fan. The Bears come into town. You're still rooting for the Bears. Right, right, right. It's it's the one thing. It's like generations of of families that watch the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And you might have people move. Like you said, like move from Chicago to Atlanta or move from Pittsburgh when all of the steel mills closed. That's what they told me. They said that's why we have so many Steeler bars and fans in so many different parts of the country because they had to move when all those mills closed and they still were Steeler fans. So you have generations of families that are, are watching certain teams and that really brings you know brings more more fun and more more excitement to that organization. My hope is that with the Battlehawks continuing to do as they're doing is that there will be more funds for the dome mm-hmm. and helping with renovations and things like that because 
if you have you know, these bigger facilities, you're going to attract bigger events, right? You have to think about the different teams regionally that you're competing against, or not teams, but cities, cities with Kansas City, with Nashville, all that kind of stuff, even Indy. They have a lot more of those updated facilities. And you already see the numbers that are coming in now have a state-of-the-art art, state of the art facility for them available. That's even better, too. So I'm hoping that this will bring in more revenue, attract bigger events. The numbers are there. I think it's more of a matter of making sure that some of the facilities are upgraded. And of the money from the NFL in the Rams lawsuit, the Dome got $70 million to upgrade. So there's just a, a little start. Oh, $70 money million doesn't go as far as it used to. Oh, I think yeah, I it get, definitely I, doesn't. Brady, I could stretch $30, $70 million. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certain of that. I can, I can find some things to do with that. So, And by the way, $30 million that the city got will also go to enhancing the convention center in the Dome. So hopefully that'll be the case that what you're talking about, Brooke, with the Dome will be improved to a point where if you make a bid for an NCAA yes. event that it'll be more attractive because the dome, sadly, even though it was opened in 1995, it's outdated. Yeah, and it does need to be upgraded. Major, we are building, we aren't building a new one. Major upgrade. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully the that money will allow the the facility to be upgraded. So congratulations to everybody who. Made it downtown for sporting events last weekend. Hope you had a great time, even though the Battlehawks took it on the chin. It was a fun game, and the crowd was great. And obviously, City off to a great start, and the crowd is always great at the City Games. We have your chance every day this week to win a pair of lawn tickets to see Snoop Dogg with Wiz Khalifa, Too Short, Warren G, and more at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on July 16th. Tickets are now on sale, You or you can text to win free tickets at 314-399-9646. You can also find a bonus chance to win Snoop Dogg tickets under contest at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. Did you say Too Short's going to be there too? Too Short. I, I, oh, and doctor. guess who else is going to be there? <laughs> who? Kerry Davis. Oh, <laughs> don't want to miss that. Featuring Carrie Davis. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm bad. So maybe my, I can uh, get some backstage passes. My, one of my rapping inspirations is T.I., but Too Short. Okay. Too Short is too, hey, he's one of my guys. Short dog. I'm, I'm, I will be there. All right. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Uh, coming up, we've got Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Pair of Snoop tickets. Snoop is coming up. Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. What's that date again, CD? July 16th. July 16th. And uh, we are supposed to give you tickets. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a question. And then we're going to ask you to text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO! Thank you, Mark. There you go. And if you are texter number 101, get it? Texter number 101, you will get the Snoop tickets. The question of the day is? I was going to go with a, uh, a sports trivia question here at Mike Ryder. You know, he gave me such a good one. I'm going to roll with it here. What was the name of Snoop Dogg? What was his performing name when he became a Rastafarian artist for a little bit there? What was Snoop Dogg's stage name when he made his Rastafarian turn, I want to say in 2015, 2014? Did Ricky Williams have a name, a Rastafarian name? I don't think he actually changed his name. He just just adopted the lifestyle. Run, Ricky, run. Run, Ricky, run. Well, I mean, uh, NFL free agent running back. Yeah. (laughs) He was really good. That was really good. Was that mean? 
Yeah. He's, he was, Ricky was. Uh, led, led the league in rushing and then wanted to go smoke weed. He was spectacular. But he, he came back and then we got the Wildcat and Bill Belichick being more angry than he probably ever has been in his entire coaching life. Uh, you know who uh, solved the Wildcat was Rick Venturi and Jim Haslam. They, they, uh, <laughs> listen, when Ronnie Williams and, and, and was it Ronnie Williams? Yeah. Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie Brown. Ronnie, Ronnie Brown. Brown. Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown. Cadillac. Cadillac Williams. Ronnie Brown and, and what Ricky were doing was uh It was tough. It was putting it was putting some teams in a in a bind yeah. trying to figure out how to stop it. Yep. It was it was the it was awesome. It was yep. pretty good. What do you got on rock and roll? Well, Randy, we, we talked about this a little bit, but I want to dive into it because on on following the Edwin Diaz moment last week and then the Jose Altuve moment over this weekend, there really was an explosion in the baseball circle talking about about the WBC and whether or not it's smart, whether or not it should be an amateur thing, not having the star players play in it. And then we got Sunday and and I think we here who have been who have been talking about Lars Newbar, we saw the excitement. You saw the, the Japanese fans just hoarding around Lars Newbar and going crazy and you saw viral videos of him doing the pepper grinder. We saw the impact it had, but it took a lot of other people, uh, I think till last night to see the United States in that moment, to hear Trey Turner talk about the World Series environment. Bottom line is the WBC going to be good for the future and the image of baseball five, ten years from now? Yes. More players want to play in the World Baseball Classic. We heard the cut from Adam Wainwright, who appealed to major leaguers. He said, hey, major league players out there, you got to do this. He says it's the best thing he's ever done. This is a guy who's got a couple of world championships. And he, he said, despite playing in the, well, he didn't play, but he was there in the playoffs at Philadelphia in 2011. He said this was the most hostile atmosphere that he had ever been in. And all the players are saying, "Some I wish I could think of who said it yesterday, talking about Altuve, said, hey, it could have happened in spring training. It doesn't make any difference. Would would you feel differently right now if Ken Rosenthal's tweet yesterday, post Arenado getting hit in the hand, read something along the lines of, he's got a broken bone in his no. hand and he'll, miss, and he'll miss opening day? No, because it could happen in spring training. 100%. Well, and to your point, too, it's just really exciting to see these players being able to represent, you know, their home countries or even in the case of Lars Newtbar and Tommy Edmond, you know, some of their ancestry as well to be able to go overseas and do that is just really incredible to watch. And it does grow the game. It helps grow the game. I mean, you see all the fans that are at these events. I love the costumes, too, the national costumes that mm-hmm. you see. And to me, it's beneficial. And also, just going to point this out on the other side for the Cardinals. Think about this. It also gives a lot of these younger guys who would be vying for more at bats Mm -hmm. or more time. Now we're seeing Jordan Walker a lot. We're seeing Mason win a lot. So it's actually beneficial to say the Cardinals in a lot of ways, because now those guys aren't, you know, fighting for as many at bats. They got the opportunity and they're running away with it in spring training. I agree. I, I think it's an awesome thing uh, to represent your country, to be able to do that, to be able to say you you did that and 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 can can put that in on your resume is a spectacular thing for these gentlemen. And you know, who who doesn't want to be in a clubhouse with it, that many other all stars, right? Just every single day, you know, taking ground balls, catching, playing catch with with some of your favorite players that you get to watch, but not get to speak to or see on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, I think it's a, a, a an inspiring moment for all of those that are involved. And uh, I think Wayno hit it on the head. If you haven't or or haven't decided or haven't wanted to do it in the past, you should think about it because. It's an experience that you won't ever forget. And I put up a photo of Goldie and Arenado last night on the socials. And you think about that. Mm-hmm. Here you've got the best American third baseman and the best American first baseman. You've got the one and three in the MVP voting last year. 
And the Cardinals gave up nothing for those two guys. Well, I shouldn't say Carson Kelly is nothing. But Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, Andrew Young for Goldie. And then to give up the Horace Montero and Austin Gomber and three guys you probably won't see at the major league level for Arenado. Pretty amazing. And so, get $51 million. So does that that obviously makes up for the uh, Rosarena trade. Yeah, it does. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 sometimes you have good trades and some, sometimes you have bad trades. Yeah, everybody wants to win trades. There you go. Right? <laughs> well, it's it's not like Randy Rosarena has a chance to play in a championship game, which he he, you know, he doesn't really show out or anything in playoffs or championship games. That's not really he usually his biggest games play. or anything. Yeah. Right there on national television. That you USA. Know, when you're, you're sure. really aggressive in making deals, that's going to happen sometimes. sometimes. And, and it's not like the Cardinals are going to win every, or, or any team is going to win every single trade. I would say that the Cardinals probably do win the majority of the trades they make, though. Randy, we were talking about this before the show started today, and I want to dive right back into this, talking about the Cardinals. Matthew Libertor, a huge day over the weekend, and, and controversy on the other side, Dakota Hudson had a bad one. You were, are, Do you have an, uh, a different eight-man bullpen than you had two weeks ago when we went through it? Has it already changed for you with the St. Louis Cardinals in just these last two weeks? Has a, a Woodford or a Thompson, and in addition, Dakota Hudson struggles, or Matthew Libertor, is he going to back up the Amzinger? Have you already gotten a change here in the Cardinals lineup since we talked about it, or the bullpen, I should say, since we talked about it two weeks ago? So you're required to have... Uh, an eight-man bullpen. Well, you have to have... You, you can only have 13 and 13. You can't have more than 13 pitchers. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have five starters. Right now, my Cardinal bullpen has Helsley, Gallegos, Hicks, Verhagen, who's making the team, mm-hmm. Stratton. I've got Polante in there, along with uh, Zach Thompson, and I've got Andrew Suarez making the team at the expense of people like Giovanni Cabrera, or not Giovanni Cabrera, uh, Hennessy Cabrera, and uh, Packy Norton and Jojo Romero. So I've got Suarez in there with uh, with Thompson. So I have Libertor on the outside looking in. I have mm. Dakota Hudson on the outside looking in. Uh, and uh, obviously I have uh, Jake Woodford on the outside looking in. Well, and here's the thing is, I, I can see Libertor going down to Memphis where he gets actually more chances and stuff like that. But a pitcher who's kind of concerning me right now, and I brought him up earlier, is Jordan Montgomery. His ERA is close to eight right now. Now, Jake Woodford has been awesome. So I feel like he needs to have some position here, whether it's like long relief in the bullpen. He has a team high 12 and two thirds innings. He's got an ERA of 2.84, which that ERA kind of came against that Houston game where he was beat up a little bit. But right before that, his ERA was sitting at one. He's a guy that I'm looking at as... If there's some struggles coming up here with the starting rotation, I'm looking to him. I don't think they'll make moves unless there's injury. I really think that they're locked in. Jordan Montgomery has front of the rotation stuff and has been good for a few years now. So I don't think if he struggles early in the season that they'll move him to the bullpen. I think the only way guys get moved out of this rotation, and Matt's has the contract, Wainwright is Wainwright, Flaherty is Flaherty, Michaelis is probably going to get another contract, and then Jordan Montgomery, who they gave up Bader to get, and he's only been a starter at the major league level. I think those are your starters unless they get hurt. And Dakota Hudson's definitely, if especially he doesn't find something going on here, he's on the outside looking in, and Yester- I can see him in yeah. Memphis. Yesterday was really bad for him. Yes. You, you left a name off, and that will be Andre Pellante. I've got Pellante. Did you have yeah, Pellante on there? I didn't hear him. Okay. You know, he's the, that name sneaks in and out. He, Trust he, me. Yeah, you never notice. I, I didn't hear him. <laughs> Quick, yeah. Randy, and elaborate on this. So, Helsley's your ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Gio's your eighth inning. Uh... If they did it that way, yes. If they were old school, I would have 
I, I would probably have Gio as my eighth inning guy. Yes. And then, and do you have? Is is there a guy here who's shown to be the seventh inning guy? Because that was kind of Cabrera, and you don't have him in your eight right now. So who takes over that role? Watch out for Drew Verhagen. Oh. Yes. <laughs> they love him. He got his, yes. he got his name back. Yep. Where's Jordan? Fitting that Hicks. I think he's a mix and match guy. I think mm-hmm. he's a. Oh, you need a strikeout with a runner at third and two out. Hicks comes in and hopefully gets the strikeout. But I don't think they want to put him in a position where he could. You don't bring him in with the bases loaded mm-hmm. and two out because they're worried about him walking yeah. guys. Yeah, we saw too many of those situations right? in the past. And then I, a guy like Pallante, he's probably your long guy. Stratton is going to be kind of that, that Hicks-type specialist. He He's a guy that can come. He, he's a really good pitcher. He, he can get you a ground ball or a strikeout. So I, I think it's a pretty good bullpen. I don't know if I missed it. Who is your sixth starter if, if somebody goes down or needs a day? As of this moment. Right now. I'm going to go with Brooke, and I'm going to go with Woody. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Woodford, 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 Woodford. Join us. Over Libertor <laughs> and over Hudson. Okay. Well, Hudson, we don't think. What do you there. What do you think? You, you I, I think Libertor. I think if you were forced into a situation where you had to have a, you know, a starter come in. Yeah. Somebody get a day. Big time performance on Saturday by Libertor. Hey, speaking of the Cardinals, 101 ESPN is going to be broadcasting live from the Budweiser Brewhouse inside Ballpark Village next Thursday, the 30th for opening day. Cardinals home opener is finally here, and we're going to be set up just steps away from the stadium. The opening drive, that's us, BK and Ferrario, and the Fast Lane will be broadcasting our shows live next Thursday, March 30th from Ballpark Village. Our opening day coverage is brought to you by Rawlings, by Green Envy Lawn Care, and by Budweiser. So join us out there at uh, Ballpark Village at the Budweiser Brewhouse. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Dominican Republic. Uh, Brooke, great job. <laughs> it was fun. It was great. CD. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Is McKernan back, by the way, or is he still in Florida? <laughs> I didn't see him in down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't Action see him Jackson. with Action Jackson. He looks—he yeah. looks forlorn and lonely. He's out there. All right. Uh, so we've got a balloon party coming up, but we have no idea where Tim is. Uh, until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.